Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sports Dialer. Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we are going to be joined by Keegan Renault, who covers the Oklahoma Sooners and the Big 12 Conference. We will get his take on everything that's going on with the Oklahoma football program and the future of the Big 12 and the new media rights deals. We'll talk to Keegan about all of that when he joins us coming up later on. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, as well as our draft season segment this week. We are going to be putting together four 16-team super conferences. And we have some great guests to join us to be able to do it. It is a fascinating segment that we will bring you coming up later on the show and we'll have our town fullery story of the week as well so plenty to get to not a whole lot of time to do it thanks for making us a part of your day here on the jones report and fresh off his uh, summer vacation thomas bridges is back here with us in the saddle this week as uh, we gear up for uh, a busy few months ahead as we have football every single week now between now and the Super Bowl, and uh, Tom, uh, back in business. Here we are. Uh, there's, there's no time like it. E- even preseason football right now, it, it's, it's not the same. I get that, but it's football nonetheless. I'll take what we have right now. I might get some flack for this, but it's better than baseball. Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know if it's better than like the USFL, but I'll take it. No, I mean, yeah, well, I didn't get to watch the Hall of Fame game because I was doing karaoke, hosting karaoke, but, you know, the past couple of weeks I've been, I went to Winter Park, Colorado to DJ a wedding, and then, you know, I come back, as soon as I come back, I I kind of start putting my football things together and realizing how close the time is, and, you know, Jones, I know you're getting a new TV for football season, and I just bought one, so we're going with hundred about 125 inches of TV downstairs to to make make the game day special and then hey, size and then, matters. Uh, it you know it does. And I'm not gonna be in Stillwater near as much, I don't think, like I was the previous two seasons. Um so I mean there'll be days. I think there'll be Saturdays Jones where I'm literally starting off with college game day at nine AM and running it all the way into the uh into the Pac twelve after dark or what's left of it. I like that. Same plan here. So here's what I'm doing. I just moved into a new place here in Dallas, and I am waiting on a uh, a new couch with a pull-out bed, and I'm getting a 75-inch TV mounted on my wall to go with my other TVs. So my plan is on Saturdays, I will not leave the house. I will just sit there. I'll lay on the couch or pull out the bed, just watch football all day long. And, you know, when I get tired, pull out, you know, sleep on the bed, whatever, you know, while Pac-12 football is going on, whatever. I mean, it is an all-day affair. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. Um, you know, and even getting to the stadium, Tom, you know, I, I know you and I are in the same boat here. I love going to games, but now I feel like I'm spoiled a bit. I mean – I have an even better experience at home. It has to be a pretty damn good game to get me to leave my couch to go to a game because of how many games I'm going to miss. And when I'm at home, I got a great viewing experience, got my own food, my own bathroom, my own drinks and all that. I mean, 
the Jones Zone 2.0 is as good a sports bar as anywhere out there. That's, I mean, that's that's kind of my thoughts and ideals now because, you know, you go, you know, I've been to, I've been to almost, not almost every game, but I've been to a larger majority of games over the past two years for OSU, including away games. I'd probably say I've been to 60, 70% of the games. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, you just miss so much when you go to the game. It is fun. It is worth it. I'll still go. I'll probably go to, like, Texas at Oklahoma State. I'll probably go to the Arizona State game. I know you're thinking about coming up for that one um, as well. And then I might go to Norman for Bedlam. I haven't decided yet. Um, But the other times, I mean, there'll be – I wanted to go to OSU at K-State. I will actually be at our buddy Brian Nolan's wedding on that weekend um, in Idaho. But other than that, and that's on a Friday, so that Saturday is still all open for the games. Nice. Nice. I'm glad that uh, worked out for you the way it did uh, when it comes football season. I mean, there's really just nothing like it. And – you know, Tom, I love NFL Sundays, too, and I'm going to be in studio working most of the time during NFL Sundays, but there's just something different about college football Saturdays of when you can watch, you know, three or four games at once. I mean, unless you got the NFL Sunday ticket package, I mean, you could only watch two games in the NFL at once. I mean, sometimes, you know, you can only watch one game at a time, you know, depending on what time of day it is and such. I mean – the NFL just doesn't have that same aura like college football does of just so many options throughout the day. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, and there's so many different options for college football. You know, it's not your main kind of showing like NFL is. I mean, you can even get the kind of, you can, I don't want to call them weird games, but you can even get the uh, lesser known teams on and, and get to watch them and check them out and see what's going on. If it's a good storyline or, you know, if it's the week where the sec plays like teams like Citadel, um, then you also have some, maybe some other good options as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I love what college football has to offer of, uh, you know, so many different things to watch at a time. I mean, it's just, just incredible and I cannot wait for it to get here and you know you want to talk about timetables you know how close we are to football beginning uh Tom I mean we're we're not kidding week zero is August 27th I mean granted it's Nebraska Northwestern or Vanderbilt and Hawaii but I mean I got nothing better to do than 930 on a Saturday night than watch Vandy play Hawaii. I mean, why not? Right. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's my thoughts. And, you know, like you said, you can just sit at the house. You don't got to leave. You have it set up. You know, the only only reason you'd have to leave is run the store and grab some brews or, you know, in this day and age, you can get anything door dashed. Right. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, Tom, you know, I, I feel like, you know, when, when, you, when you get into football mode, it's like kicking it into another gear. We debuted a new show this week on, uh, on Seahawks Today called Seahawks Live. Um, 
where I spent an hour and, you know, talking about the Seahawks and breaking things down and, and uh, you were going to be doing these watch parties and all this. And I mean, it, it's a, it's a different time of year. I mean, uh, I am going to one wedding this fall and it's only because it is a dear friend of the show, Dominic Aragon's wedding, my co-host of let's go racing. And I still gave him a hard time about scheduling a full wedding, but I will be there, but you better believe, I mean, all activity outside of work has to be football related of some sorts. Like, okay, we're going to go watch the game somewhere or we're going to go to a game or we're going to a high school game or something. I mean, our, our social lives the next few months, even with women, you know, even with the girls involved, it's uh, how do we get the, the game connected here? How, how do we bring the girl to the game or watch the game or something? I mean, you, we, we live the game these next few months. I mean, we, we go, you know, we go 66% of the year without it. So, you know, when the time comes around, it's, it's no BS. You know, I'll, I'll go to uh, Idaho for this wedding. And like I said, the wedding's on a Friday. And then we'll, Billy is also going to this wedding. Friend of the show, Billy Locke, is going to the wedding as well. And uh, you better believe that we're not leaving until Sunday, probably Sunday morning, uh, to be sure that we get in and get out before and after that college football Saturday. And then, you know, I'll be going to Vegas a couple weeks after that for my 30th. And then you better believe that Saturday on the 5th that I'm in Vegas, I'll be sitting in the sports book, drinking hand with a uh, with a couple parlays rolling out. Oh, and – and word the wise out there, when you leave on a Sunday, you know, if, if you've had to go to a wedding or something like that, we understand things pop up. You know, Thomas and I were just talking about that. Your only option Sunday is to take like that 6 a.m. flight. It's going to suck. It's going to be painful, especially if you've had a good night the night before. But, I mean, the game is life, folks. I mean, football is life. I know that uh, that was from Ted Lasso, another type of football. But, I mean, kickoff begins at noon for those NFL games. I got to be there. I can't miss kickoff at noon, Tom. I mean, that's, that's mandatory. Yeah, if I can get back in time for the Rams game that week, I mean, all will be well. And then, Jones, I don't know if you're planning on going or not, but I'm trying to think when it was. Maybe the weekend before Thanksgiving or maybe it might be the weekend of Thanksgiving, the Rams play the Chiefs in Kansas City. And we are planning on going to that. Oh, I guess I know. I guess I guess in that case, you'll be still in Dallas on on the show. But you better believe that that'll be the NFL game that I'm at this this season. And we're taking Johnny with us. Oh, I can't wait. Um, Johnny at a Chiefs game. I mean, we we were saying this earlier. Uh, you know, chat sports. It's no secret that we we do enjoy some cold ones and. Some some beer from time to time on our shows. Like, we need to get Johnny his own camera for Chiefs games and get him reacting in real time. I mean, get him that boot going or something. I mean, it would oh, be man. unbelievable. If we had a little, like, a Twitch stream of, of, of my dad watching the game, uh, you know, uncensored, full access camera on top of the TV, kind of like a webcam, 
Oh, man. I, I think he'd become an internet cessation overnight. Okay, here's a better question for you uh, on Johnny Kane. Would he be better off if he knew the camera was there and could perform for it? Or would it be better if we had like a hidden camera and he didn't know it was there? No, it'd have to be hidden. It'd have to be hidden or it wouldn't. I, he would He would tone it down. Okay. I think he would tone it down if it was not hidden, knowing that the camera was there. But if it was just him and, you know, he'd be bitching on camera and then you'd eventually hear my mom to tell him to shut up or to – to say she'd say it's just a game or something and and then there there'd be times where he just I, you know it's happened before we'd say all right no no and and i and i quote no 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 we're fucking shutting it off they're they're fucking done and he just he'd literally and i there's been times when i've been over there he'd, he'd literally take the remote turn the game off midway through the game i can recall one that turn but, it off during that chiefs texans playoff oh, game he shut the bitch off. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and I told him, I told him, I said, no, they're not done yet. It's not, they're not out of it. And he goes, no, fuck them. I'm done with them. And he got up and went out back to the garage and just started drinking beers out there until I got him about a little over, a little over like less than three minutes to go in the third. And I said, they're not dead yet. And then he came back in and watched him win. But yeah, he, he missed probably half the game outside drinking beers because <laughs> I'm done with him. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I wonder did did Johnny Bridges uh did you see the way he was as a Chiefs fan and be like, that can't be me. I gotta be a fan of another team. Like I can't be like that. Well, you know, like my my dad's side of the family, most of them are all Dallas Cowboy fans, and so when I was very little, I there's a picture of me, and it will not resurface for good reason. Um, when I was like three or four in a Dallas Cowboys full get up. Oh no! Yeah, no, we won't. We I won't even go back and dig for that picture. It's somewhere out there in the in the scrapbook. That's and that's child abuse right there. Right, and then a couple years later, like when I was like probably five, six, something like that, five, six, seven, uh, I rooted for the Chiefs because that was my dad's team, and then I played video games about seven, about 1999, and that was the Marshall Falk time, and that NFL game day 99 is when I became a Rams fan because Marshall Falk was really good on that game, and I used the Rams and the greatest show on turf, and the rest is history. <laughs> oh, that's good. I love that. Uh, terrific stuff. And the rest is history, as they say. So, uh, with that, uh, we will uh, get going with uh, today's show. And where we begin, uh, I, I want to talk uh, the latest college football front. Uh, two things. Uh, we'll begin with the Big Ten and their uh, media rights deal that has uh, been signed. And we'll dive into this more with Bo, but to kind of put this into perspective, this is the next big step for college football with ESPN being locked out and not involved. Fox gets first tier rights. Then the B package is split up between CBS and NBC. And then the rest of the games after that are going to be on FS1 and Big Ten Network and Peacock, uh, you know, everybody's favorite streaming service, Cock. 
um, going forward for, for the Big Ten Conference. And they are getting tons of money. Um, you know, it's going to be around $1.115 billion with 350 for the B package from CBS, um, 300 from from uh, NBC, and then the rest Fox is paying for for their networks, and just astronomical. The money that is being thrown around um, is is really unbelievable. And you know, we thought that the SEC was getting a lot of money from ESPN, ABC a few years ago with the. Uh, you know, $300 million deal that they got for their A package that's going to ABC and everything else that ESPN was getting. But uh, the Big Ten is just taking the cake here. I mean, they are, uh, you know, this is, this is way more than what the SEC is getting from ESPN and ABC. And, and what's interesting now is it sets up what we've all been saying was going to happen where the Big Ten is Fox's league and the SEC is ESPN's league. And now everyone else is just fighting after that. It establishes what we've been talking about this whole time of that it's two super conferences and then it's everyone else after that. And, you know, if what's going to be interesting for me as far as the future of this sport goes is for the other guys to compete, if you are not in the SEC and the Big Ten, I think they're going to get all the five and all the four-star recruits. But the only way that that won't happen is the almighty dollar. I mean, schools that have the money outside of TV money will now turn to that to try to compete. Like we see SMU this week announced that they're doing a collective that's going to pay all of their football and men's basketball players a minimum 35 grand. I can tell you SMU is going to be in good shape now. I mean, then, okay, you're going to pay at a minimum that. Okay, fine. Then you can compete to try to potentially get SEC in Big Ten level talent. But we're going to find out real quick who the haves and the have-nots are. Uh, are. Basically, the future college football, here's what it is when it comes to the dollars and cents. Either you got to be in the SEC or the Big Ten, or you have to be a really rich school that has other ways to draw money, like an SMU who's got those incredible outside resources, like Miami, you know, those big donors. Those are, that's the future of the sport now, is SEC, Big Ten. And then all of a sudden now rich private schools and those that have collectives. I mean, if, if you don't have your collectives figured out here in the next year or so, Tom, you are going to be so far behind. I mean, it is – I think we're about to go from zero to 100 real quick and how much the landscape of this sport is about to change and how much fall off there could be if you're not in one of those two conferences or if you don't have – a huge uh, collective NIL situation figured out. Yeah, I think so. On it, you know, it's. I, I think already we're past uh, past the point of getting while the getting's good. I think it's already past that point that if you haven't already started or if you haven't already made plans or put in, um, you know, if you haven't put in the work or the time or the 
you know, kind of transition on those ideals to make them real life, for lack of a better term, then, I mean, it's going to come up, you know, end up biting you in the butt. Um, and I think we're going to see some of that uh, with some of these schools that didn't take the initiative or didn't fully jump on boat of the NIL and, and kind of accept it for what it was, you know. Uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't, they, they thought they could play the, you know, or really they thought they could say and not go to the route of if you can't beat them, join them and didn't think it would come to this. Well, it's now come to this. And, and so I think we're going to see, um, you know, one for a lot of schools that took the initiative, the fruits of their labor, but then on the flip side of things, um, see the, the programs that didn't, uh, jump on board. We'll see the consequences. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I wonder now, too, um, if you are, and we'll bring, we'll bring this up in the, uh, you know, the conference draft that we'll do later on, but let's say for all intents and purposes, the Big Ten and the SEC and their next expansion candidates, will they now look to and say, okay, who has those NIL collectives? Who is giving the money out to these players and it has that money to self-fund itself that can compete on a high level without needing our TV money? I wonder how much that's going to factor in, how much that's going to be involved as far as the future goes. I mean, if that's a whole nother item of sorts. If you are in the boat of an SEC or Big Ten school that has all that TV money, and then you have a huge collective, like USC, for example, is rumored to be, like the way they're setting up things. I mean, that's going to be tough to beat. If you can have the combination of the two, if you can have your cake and eat it too, have the collective and the TV money, that, that, that's going to be a dual threat that's going to be tough for just anybody to compete. I mean, when you talk about trying to compete just dollars and cents-wise, I mean, it's – I hate to say it this way, but it's true. It, it just feels unfair, Tom. I mean, yeah, you know, you get the bigger markets um, with the kind of the name brand schools, and then, you know, especially if you're a program – that is maybe kind of on the up and up that doesn't have that branding that you use, you know, over the years, or let's say even over the course of a decade, have kind of taken the steps to, uh, you know, put yourself in the conversation. Uh, you can, you can even say, I, I obviously would love to use Oklahoma state in this example, but for the fact that I'll try to remain unbiased, let's throw in Baylor, right? Baylor granted, they, they had the Matt rule days there where they look really good. And then Matt rule left and, They'd kind of been through the ringer, um, kind of of their own volition, uh, in terms of <clears throat> um, our Bryles days. And then you go Matt Rule. And then after Matt Rule, you kind of have a down year where you just literally get beat up by everybody. And then now you have a, a Dave Aranda who is who has just won a Big 12 championship and is one of the better coaches out there. Baylor's very lucky to have him. Uh, and he's he's done his due diligence, and he's he's turned Baylor into what could be a potential 
Big 12 powerhouse or even even better than that. Um, now you look at that and you, you know, Baylor's obviously in whole Waco, Texas, would never live there. So backhand compliment on my part. Uh, you couldn't pay me to move to Waco. There's nothing there and it's terrible traffic. I mean, uh, Magnolia uh, and Dr. Pepper, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, they don't, don't really come have for it. my Dr. Pepper though. I mean, you can hit on Magnolia, but no, we, we're a pro Dr. Pepper show. We, we, yeah, we are. But you know, they could my Dr. Pepper from there, but I'm not going there to get it. Uh, you know, but okay. So what happens to them? You know, you kind of built your, you've been through the ringer. You've you kind of put your try to put your best foot forward, and you're doing really well for yourself. And then you got teams like USC or. You know, we might even see a, a, a recurrence of, of the U in Miami come to light with these NIL deals and, and all this money. Uh, you know, Baylor is not going to be one of the teams that gets the gets the spotlight shown on them or get any limelight in terms of that. And so I do feel for those schools um, that have put in the hard work over the years and now this NIL stuff happens and, you know, these other schools that, or these other programs that might not have been taking the right steps to be a premier program kind of just get lumped in there by, you know, geolocation. So, Seems like USC or anybody in a big market um, is going to get that. It's going to get crazy amounts of money. I mean, it's going right. to be like, hell. well, and one more point on this and then we'll move on, Tom, I'll say this much too. Um, uh, you know, there, there are certain schools that we think of, like let's let's say A and M. I think A and M is a good example, where A and M averages what between eight to ten wins a year, typically speaking, right? And what have we said about A and M the last decade plus, from the time they were in the Big Twelve to the time they're in the SEC, and whether Kevin Sumlin's been their coach or. Dennis Francione or, you know, Mike Sherman. I mean, the results have almost all been the same throughout all those coaches of being that eight to 10 win threshold. And during that stretch, I think we all said, Hey, that's who they are. I mean, that's just is that's who they are. And, you know, if you're winning nine to 10 games at Texas A&M, that should be good enough. Um, that may have been true, you, you know, a few years ago. And, you know, it may have been who Texas A&M was then. But if you're A&M and you, like Nick Saban suggests, you know, bought your way to the number one recruiting class, the, the days of you being an eight to ten win team, even if that's who you've been historically, are not good enough. If your collective, if the people around you are putting the money in to be a top-tier program, giving you what it takes to be a number one recruiting class, then there has to be the results of a number one recruiting class, winning championships. Otherwise, coaches get fired or the money disappears. There's got to be a return on the investment. The money dries up or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a different game now. You don't – you have to – what these collectives now are looking at is they have to get what they're paying for, essentially. I mean, just because you may historically be – an eight to 10 win program, that's not good enough if you're paying for more of that. You know, and, and, and that rings true. Like, I love your example of A&M. That's a prime example. I mean, you're in the, 
the SEC where all these teams like Alabama and Georgia and, you know, less recently or further back, even Florida reign supreme. And, and now, you you know, you come in, you've been in the SEC for, what, almost a decade and kind of, like you said, been that eight, nine win team. And that's fine because that's who A&M was. But now when this money comes through, you, you just can't be getting free money without, you know, you got to do your end of the deal. And like I said before, get give a return on investment. And if you're not if you're not doing anything with that money, then coaches get fired and restructuring happens. And I think we could start seeing a lot more of that a lot quicker. So here, here's an example, you know, just com- comparing that to real life. Okay, let's say that Tom works for me and I'm paying him, you know, a good wage and he does good work. But then I say, Tom, I'm going to give you this raise, but I'm giving you more responsibilities. There's more of an expectation. Tom's work that he's done previously is not going to be good enough for what I'm paying him now. He's going to have to do more that's asked of him. I mean, it's it's just simple as that. I mean, it's just like any other industry in, in that regard, Tom. Right. Or if you buy into a stock or shareholders buy into a stock, um, you know, and, and the, the company has promised its shareholders that they're going to, there's a lot of room for growth and there's a lot of, you know, up and coming opportunities they could take advantage of to pay out shareholders dividends and then they don't do it. Um, well, what are those shareholders going to do? They're going to sell. And then, you know, after that, they'll go find a new, they'll go find somebody else to put their money in. But uh, granted, it might not work like that in college football because where loyalty lies, you know, I might, I might buy season tickets to, here's another example. I might buy season tickets to OSU and, you know, Mike Gundy and Chad Weisberg and, and the athletic department can tell me that, oh, well, we got a brand too. And, and, you know, no better time to be a Cowboy than right now. So go ahead and buy your $600 season ticket right now. Well, you know, if it's, if, if the play on the field is, it ends up not being good or if it's not what it's promised to be and they're still trying to sell season tickets for 600, then nobody's going to buy them. Right. Uh, so, you know, you know, when you, when you start asking for money or when you, you start putting yourself into that, trying to get into that money pit, uh, if, if you don't, if you don't, if the play on the field doesn't match what you're wanting, right. uh, there'll be some backlash. And, I, and Jones, I think we're going to see that with a lot of teams. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think so. Um, we'll talk more about NIL and get in depth on the Big Ten TV deal when uh, Bo joins us for the football fix coming up later on. But uh, now I want to look at the Oklahoma football program and. We'll get into this in depth when Keegan joins us coming up in uh, just a bit. But what a bizarre situation, Tom. Um, You know, I am more shocked that Kale Gundy is not in Norman right now than I am that Lincoln Riley is not in Norman right now. I mean, a lot more shocked in the circumstances that it was. I mean, you know, we believed to be that it was – you know, the N-word more than likely was thrown around. Now, whether it ended in an A or an ER, don't know that, you know, um, you know, a lot of hearsay on that stuff. And then the fallout from it, to me, is what's even weirder about this, Tom, too, is that not only that it happened the way it did, um, 
and for Kel Gundy to not be a Norman. But then to hear after the fact of Brent Venables coming back with a second statement on Monday, the original statement comes out Sunday and, you know, it seemed all cordial and nice. And then the second statement, he calls Kel Gundy basically a liar and says that he said it multiple times when Kel said it only once and that he did the right thing, stepping aside from the program and, and all this. I mean, it was kind of, kind of bizarre. It was like a 180 from Brent Venables from his original statement. Then we see Kel Gundy's daughter, Kat Gundy, get involved and, in a sense, deleted tweet says that uh, uh, the real story will come out. And they're like, okay, uh, you know, you know, Blaming Venables said that he told everybody to be quiet about it. Um, with all that being said, Tom, you know, this is, this is ugly. This is not how anyone, I think, wanted this to go. I mean, it's unfortunate what happened. We don't know what happened for sure. We weren't there. But at the end of the day, just based on all the facts that we know right now, this is uh, this is not pretty. This is not a good look for Kel Gundy, for Brent Venables, for OU. I mean, nobody wins in this. No, nobody wins. And, and um, <clears throat> you know, if you're not an OU fan or even better, if you're a Big 12 fan, you know, much to OU's dismay, you know, if you're a pro Big 12 fan or of – a fan of a Big 12 team, this might delight you in a way, not for what he said or not what what, what happened, but just the uh, the drama surrounding it for OU to start the season. Uh, I mean, this is, you know, when Gundy had his OAN shirt and, and when Chuba Hubbard was going on and on about that, that was, I think, mid-summer. You know, this dropped. This is dropping less than a month out from the first game. And Practices are already going on in Norman right now. Right. So this does not bode well for the timeline in terms of, hey, we're about to start with all this distraction and drama surrounding it right now, and we might not be done yet. I, I, I think it's – I don't know what more is to come out of it, but you, you get this guy, Kel Gundy, who has – essentially been a constant Jones since you and I were born almost. Yes. Um, in Norman, uh, you know, he's, he's more OU than anybody else on that staff. Uh, even, even Brett Venables and Venables was there for a while. Understood. Right. Kel Gunny that was there the whole time and was there before. Uh, and then was there after and has remained there. And so now you have an OU fan base and I've seen multiple examples of people defending Kel Gundy. You got the likes of, of you know, Adrian Peterson and Joe Mixon and, and former big, big-time former players in defense of Kel Gundy. And then you have the other side of it where they're, you know, defending OU's decision to kind of make Kel Gundy resign. And it's it's been this weird um, back and forth of, of – you know, you know, is anybody bigger than the program? And if, if you were going to say right now, if anybody's bigger than the program at OU, 
if I was an OU fan, I'd say, no, nobody's bigger than the program. But if, if it's going to be anybody that's bigger than the program, you would probably say kill Gundy for how long he's been there. I mean, he's in, he's, he's had his tenure, the likes of Bob Stoops, not as great as Bob Stoops, but I mean, he's every bit of OU football in my opinion that, that Bob Stoops kind of is. And so you get this weird, you know, what was said, what happened? You got this new coach and, and, and Brett Venables that's probably trying to come in and, and, kind of fly under the radar in terms of you don't want to make a splash, especially not in this way. And and then you've got, to, you know, you, you put all that together and this is not where you'd want to be um, for an OU team trying to, to come back after having a disappointing year last year. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it is uh, wild what has transpired here. And, you know, I, I'm not going to cast any stones on, uh, you know, on Kale Gundy, I wasn't there. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate. It is a, it is a sad ending for somebody that's committed so much, that's been so loyal. And, you know, there has not been a better recruiter for Oklahoma than Kale Gundy either. I mean, this is a major loss to, you know, have him out there and for this, this PR situation with it too. I mean, um, you know, we, we always joke Tom about the, the OU DNA. Um, I mean, the OU DNA the last few years, you know, this, you know, the Joe Mixon situation, you had the protests over, you know, racism allegations with the fraternity houses a few years ago. I mean, you know, stuff's starting to add up. I wonder when when do we see reputation finally catch up to this Oklahoma team? I mean, is is there enough stuff starting to pile up, you think? Or or is this just type of stuff that goes on at every university? I don't feel like I hear about these stories at other schools nearly as much as I hear about what we have at Oklahoma, what we've seen at Oklahoma. Now Granted, you and I, you know, we're, we're close to, you know, the Oklahoma program more so than some of the others, you know, I mean, just down the road for both of us. But I, I don't feel like these type of things have had the same effect, have happened nearly as much as other places like we've seen of some of the stuff that's piled up with OU in the last few years like this. Yeah, and, you know, you make a great point. I, I... You know, maybe it's because that OU is constantly on our radar. And, and, you know, that goes for other school, too, not just OU. You can say that the same throw issue and they'll throw in KU, K-State, Texas, Texas Tech. You know, you can throw in all of them. Um, you know, maybe you don't see the sort of same thing. You mentioned the fraternity a couple of years ago um, that had that chant and, and did that and they got I forget what the the frat term is. They got essentially disowned from campus um, or their charter or whatever got removed. And, um, you know, you you have all these other things, you know, mainly being one that is everyone recalls is the Joe Mixon deal um, and not getting kicked off the team. I'm I'm sure there's others that are they're just as big. But this one feels big, too, to me, not because it was, you know, no one necessarily got like physically hurt from this. Um, like in the case of, you know, Joe Mixon and, 
it didn't, you know, from what we understand, someone might come for me for this, but that's fine. Um, from what we understand to me, the, the fraternity thing was more of like a systemic issue or something that's been happening for a while or is more blatant racist than maybe what Kel Gundy said or did. Um, right. way actually way more. I mean, they had a chant that's probably been, uh, you know, what was it? SAE, the fraternity SAE, Sigma Alpha Epsilon. That, that is something that had to be nipped in the bud and, and was, um, and should have never happened to begin with. And I'm, can guarantee you that there's other fraternities or sororities that that type of thing happens at and not just at OU. But um, this whole kind of deal is, I think, Jones, I think we're still in the very early stages of it. I don't know if it'll be, I don't know if it'll be blown out of proportion or it'll, if it'll just still rain in the media like it is right now in the next couple of weeks. But there will be things that come out after this that we'll be able to put more pieces to the story. Um, I wouldn't just, there's no way I think that there's not more to the story for Kel Gundy of his long tenure to resign effective immediately over what we know right now. So friend of the show, Billy Locke and I for the last several years have been documenting all these, you know, incidents that have gone on at OU and, you know, putting them on social media with the ironic hashtag of OU DNA. Let's let's run through the, the time capsule, uh, okay? 2017, OU cheerleader busted in prostitution uh, sting. 2017, early enroll quarterback Chris Robinson, one of two Sooners arrested for public intox. Um, 2017, Parnish Cobb, uh, armed robbery. Um, let's see here. Let's keep uh, Joe Mixon we mentioned. When was Baker Mayfield in Fayetteville? Let's see. Baker Mayfield, wasn't that 2018? Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah, 2017 was Baker Mayfield. Rodney Anderson, a protective order, 2017. Um, Let's see. University of Oklahoma 2019 gave inflated data to the U.S. News for the past 20 years, juicing its best college ratings. Um, 2021, Oklahoma suspends student athletes pen, uh, pending investigation. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, there, there is – it's one of two things. Either we are following closely what goes on in Oklahoma, and this happens um, – more to our attention because if it's on our radar or there are problems in Oklahoma issues and things that need to be dealt with things that uh, a diff- a lower standard, I guess you could call it at Oklahoma could be the case. You could argue. So something to think about. Uh, it's unfortunate. I, I hate that it went down this way, um, you know, for Kale Gundy. And I, I really wonder to me, this is a, this feels like a turning point, like a huge pivot in this Brent Venables era, a big test already, Tom, because Brent Venables, now you have to deal with adversity here. This is the first adversity he's dealt with. Without even playing a game. Right, you haven't played a game yet, and you lose your best recruiter. And then you also have to keep the locker room intact and the PR side of it as well. 
and then try to replace him as a coach and recruiter here. I mean, this is this is a lot for a young head coach to take on here. I mean, this isn't just losing any assistant coach here. I mean, this is losing one of the faces of your program with, I don't even like to call it scandal, but, you know, scandal involved here. I mean, it kind of does feel almost like a scandal, but it, it, it doesn't seem – the only reason I wouldn't use scandal – what was it seems and maybe I'm wrong here. It seemed like it was just kind of a real quick issue. Like it just happened one day. And then I would say scandal in terms of uh, we don't know all the answers, unanswered questions here. And yeah, and we might not ever get all the answers. I don't know if, you know, his daughter will tweet more things and, and go from there. Um, you know, obviously she's biased a little bit. Um, in terms, she just didn't get daddy's money anymore. Um, but it's not like they haven't been paid handsomely throughout the years. I don't, I don't know what that means. I know Casey Gundy was on the staff, Kel's son as well. I haven't heard anything that if he has left the staff, he wasn't like any big time, you know, coach or anything, just more like an assistant. But, you know, I don't know if that, if he remains on the staff, that would be kind of odd or weird, wouldn't it? Your dad gets fired for this big national deal and then not fired. I mean, you can call it fired at this point. When a forced resignation, Jones, in your opinion, is that being fired? And in a way, I think so. It pretty but, much is. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll discuss it more when uh, Keegan joins us on the other side. Later on, we will have uh, Coach Bo for the football fix. And we'll have Tom Fullery, also our draft season segment this week drafting super conferences, four-power conferences. Steve Braun and Derek Haglund are going to join us. Jam-packed show. Stick around here on the Jones Report. Don't go anywhere. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, pleased to have him back from RPM Data in Oklahoma City. It is none other than Keegan Renault who rejoins us here on the show this week, as we have plenty to discuss with uh, Keegan, and uh, he is there in uh, OKC right now. Keegan, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. It's been a minute, but uh, glad to have you back. What's going on? Man, well, I walked outside today. Again, it's a little bit overcast here in Oklahoma City. It just kind of has that that football feel, right? I know you've been – there's been some training camp going on in the NFL, but it's it's like, yeah, it's getting here. Like we're, what, two weeks out from the week zero of college football. There's not really a ton of good games, but you've got a little – you can dabble in a little North – you know, Nebraska, Northwestern, who's playing in Ireland if you want. Uh, but it's uh, it'll be right around the corner in here before we know it. I'm already scheduling out what games we're going to go to because this is the first time in years, Keegan, where I'm going to be off on Saturdays. I'm not working games and I'm not, you know, in the studio. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know, go to Stillwater this weekend, Norman this weekend, you know, whatever. I mean, the flexibility, I, I, I'm just excited just to, to kind of be a fan of the college game this year, man. And that's what's, you know, at least for us that we always keep in the front of our mind is like, you know, we genuinely love college football. Like right. we wouldn't be doing what we do with RPM if we did it. And so, um, you know, always keeping that at the front of our minds. And like you said, yeah, I mean, I think the perfect example of this is that our company is has a mandated weekend off 
the second weekend of October because it's OU Texas weekend because I'm probably going to go. So oh, I'll uh, be there too. Oh yeah. So, so I be my yes. first time. Yeah, it will be your first OU Texas. Yes. Oh, we've got to get into that before anything. Oh, you're gonna you're, <laughs> you literally are gonna fall in love with that game so much you're gonna have to go every single year. Oh, I mean, the atmosphere is it, it's you just. Again, I know you hear everybody say this, even when you get on college game day and you hear like Kirk or even all these guys talk about it, right? Like, it's just you don't get it until you walk into the stadium for the first time. Like, you know, obviously five, six years ago before I started really doing this, you know, family's obviously huge Oklahoma fans. My grandpa played baseball there. My uncle did. Uh, Major family members or donors to the university. Get that all out ahead. Ward, are you sure – OU fan, you know, five, six, seven years ago. When you walk into the walk into the Cotton Bowl, Tyler, it literally is like you feel the hate. Like if someone's wearing an orange shirt, like you can feel it. And then you get into the, you know, uh, split the 50 yard line and whatever side. I've sat close to the 50 yard line before. That's a fun. I mean, it's it's as it's as entertaining, like even just the atmosphere. And I know the videos from last year from Josh Pate do it absolute justice. And Eddie Radosovich had some great clips as well. But it's just different, man. It's there's nothing like it in college football. I the people are right. The closest thing you have to it from like an atmosphere, it's on my bucket list is Army Navy. That's it. Yeah, that's tremendous. I can't wait. It's on probably the number one thing I'm looking forward to of just anything I do the rest of 2022 is making it to OU Texas this year. I mean, it's a, it's a must. And, uh, I can't wait for it. You know, you, you bring up an interesting point of just having that love for the game, the passion that, that you and I have for this. It amazes me, you know, you, you go back to, you know, in 2020 when sports were shut down and we were wondering if we were going to have college football or not. And, and it, it, it blows my mind how many people were covering this sport that, just don't have the passion that don't care about college football and, and, and love football. Like we do, it blows my mind. Like why, why are you even here then? If you're not going to, uh, not going to care about what the, this, this product is and it's in its future. For sure. I do think that there, that's like, it's always, that's the more of the minority within the sport. Right. Like it's not the majority. And of course that those people have the loudest or they have the, biggest platforms and the largest audiences. And I think that that's probably where the frustration comes from. And like, again, I'm not in the world of like getting after people anymore coming on here and being (laughs) some pardon my French an asshole. Like I'm not planning on doing that, but yeah, I mean, there's there's people out there like Dan Wolkin. I know people have problems with Stuart Mandel of the athletic and like, there's just, I I, I call those guys the unathletic. Sure. And so, you know, it's one of those things where like, yeah, like, always remember those people just because they have a large platform doesn't mean that they're you know the the voice of college football and he means i think that obviously people that have that platform should understand and you know i think from at least from what i understood the best from the journalism world tyler is that you know your audience tells you what you should be writing about and there's obviously stories we're about to get into one with something that happened in oklahoma this week and i know i haven't this is you're probably one of the few people I'll doing a podcast or radio appearance with um, to talk about Kale Gundy, but there's obviously situations that are much larger than the game, right? And to cover that properly and and make sure that you know you have empathy and you listen uh, instead of talk. But 
there's obvious things like you're talking about from like the climate change article from a couple weeks ago about moving the college football schedule around. Like there's just, there's just things that are just unnecessary. And, you know, I think that again, those people aren't truly listening to their audiences. Um, and I, cause I think I've worked in corporate world of journalism. Um, I've had bosses that are from the corporate world of journalism and I'm sure you have at some point mm-hmm. in your career, Tyler, yeah, they're literally telling you, look up what the Google SEO is. And if it's the biggest thing that's pubbing on there, you should probably write about it. But the problem is, is that, don't get me wrong, Google's the most searched, you know, engine uh, of anything. But if you sell out for that, you're missing, you're not listening. You're not really looking for the things to write about, in my opinion. That's always was my view. Um, you know, you sell out for clicks, you sell out for engagement, you're going to, it, it's not you don't have stability that way and look at all the change going out and throughout the journalism world Oklahoma doesn't have an athletic writer right now right it's and you have this major story that happens and they got no one to write about it. and so like it's funny I could have a whole podcast talking about the world of journalism and like where we're at and do this and I know that's not what this is for but to to you what you said yeah I mean there's there's certain figures amongst us that I don't think truly listen to their audience and what their audience is telling them. And that's why you get articles like why climate change is going to change the college football schedule. Right. Right. Like, I guess he could be true. I mean, if he's right and he's like, he's not doing journalism anymore 40 years from now. Sure. But that's nothing. Nobody else is talking about it right now. So there's no need for it. Yeah. um, Fast forward in 20 in 40 years. I'm I'm just going to take a guess that the college football schedule is probably the same, you know, probably willing to take that bet, you know, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, So Keegan out with what's going on there in Norman, this uh, kill Gundy situation, him resigning and the, uh, letter that he posted, Brent Venables puts out his own statement and follows it up with another statement here. We see Kel Gundy's daughter put out a tweet, then delete the tweet. Venables has a press conference. Uh, where does everything stand right now? Uh, I, I know that we're still kind of figuring this out, but what what, what do you think the uh, the real story is here? I think it's important to always remember this about Oklahoma. Every big story, every crisis, whatever you want to call it, you're always going to be brought in at the end and you've got to figure out what happens all the way through. Like take the Lincoln Riley story that we didn't, no one still really has any clue when that started. There's obviously, you know, you can go and try to find the paper trail the best that you can right, for these situations. But I mean, it's just an obvious really bad situation. And I do think that the way everybody went about it, probably could have been done better um and not speaking on the situation entirely again i'm a 25 year old white male in the united states of america i don't know these experiences i don't know these things i don't know how that makes people feel um and so i don't want to speak on that too much but my main thing is how it was handled and you know i I, when you drop something at 10 30 on sunday on a sunday night like that's obviously going to raise questions and you know, does the the casual person that doesn't know anything about the University of Oklahoma and that Kale Gundy has been basically the thread of Oklahoma football, like he's the only piece remaining from the 1999 staff. At this point, Jerry Schmidt's back. Welcome back, Schmidt. I know we're going to talk about him as well, but it's just 
the whole situation sucks. Like, you know, you get Kale Gundy, who, I mean, Adrian Peterson, DeMarco Murray put out a statement and said he messed up. And I think if DeMarco's going to say that, guys, he obviously messed up. You can't, you can't, you can't do you what he did and what he said he did, you can't do, right? And so you get there. Okay, you get there. And now you talk about, like, the way they dealt with this. It's so interesting because Kale Gunny puts out a statement that wasn't connected with the University of Oklahoma. Clearly, uh, that was not that statement wasn't done through the university. Yeah, that was um, packed up on his iPhone or something. Yeah, correct. And so you have that, and then you have Oklahoma having a statement ready, right? So I was pretty shocked by that that they didn't like wait till Monday morning. Um, and then Those the two second- statements weren't released were totally different from each other too. Correct. So the second statement was obviously, you know, I've jokingly said this during the week. Yeah, I mean, I it's out, it, just from the aspect of figuratively here speaking, yeah, some donors probably called up to the university and asked what was going on. And Brent, that second statement was essentially, hey, I had to do this. And so I do, from the aspect of handling it the right way or like what I would have done, um, probably, again, the second statement raised more questions than answers. And the second statement also provoked a family member of Kale Gundy to tweet out something on Twitter. And you work in the college football world. You know this. It's like the reverse of a player who's mad because he's not playing enough. When their parents are vocal on Twitter, it's because the player is upset. Cat Gundy, Kale Gundy's daughter, isn't tweeting if she's not hearing things from her dad. And so... It just, again, raises more questions than answers. In the second statement, I felt like kind of was a little bit unnecessary because, you know, it painted Kale Gundy as basically a racist. And that's just, again, I want to reiterate, I'm a white male. I'm 25 years old. I don't know how that thing, how that all feels. The groundswell of support for Kale from specifically his black players of the past, I think speaks volumes to his character and who he is. And then you have the Deadspin article yesterday that tried to take the whole situation and throw more gasoline on it. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a sad situation. I, I'm not a part of the team. I don't report for this stuff. Right. I don't know a whole lot about it anymore. Um, but I think obviously Venables decided that you know if this story came out in November, how could that potentially hurt us then? And so. In my head, I thought he was going to get suspended for like a year and could be reinstated in January. Um, that made a lot of sense, and I think that's something they could have dealt with. But they decided everybody to you know go their both ways, and we'll see if that happens eventually, Tyler. But I think we're all pretty smart to see that maybe this is more a divorce than it was a single situation. Yeah, I mean, the second statement – Close the door, it seemed, on any return, any comeback. I mean, the first statement that both of them released, it's like, okay, maybe there's a few f- apologies, and a suspension, fine, something uh, that could still open the door potentially for Kale to come back. Now, that's not the case whatsoever. And when it comes to the recruiting aspect, uh, put that into perspective, Keegan. I mean, you, you covered Oklahoma recruiting for a while. I mean, Kale was the best recruiter on that staff. How big of a loss is this for Oklahoma on the recruiting trail, not having Kale Gundy there? Yeah, it's going to be – It's we'll see. Like, I, I, to be determined, Jaquez Petaway last night 
uh, one of Kel Gundy's receiver commits. Again, I don't, I don't cover this stuff anymore. I see it more from an outsider's point of view. Um, he committed and said that he was staying put with Oklahoma. And I think there was a lot of questions about that. So maybe they, maybe because it's a new regime, because they have something new to sell, they've got a brand new car, right? They can sell it. Um, you know, maybe you don't need the old salesman that you once did. So, I'm interested to see kind of how that dynamic works. I think the biggest thing to monitor is Oklahoma at DFW because Kale Gundy, basically that was his home field for recruiting. And so that's the biggest thing for me. Now, when you talk about Kale Gundy and also the situation, it's also that aspect of it, I think is the obvious reason why they had to do it now, because if that gets out, Tyler, Oklahoma is going to be facing negative recruiting from staffs all across the country that they've got a guy who said the N word in a room full of black players, young black players. Right. And so like, that's something they would have to fight for a long, long time on the recruiting trail, probably a couple recruiting classes. But like I said, I don't, wasn't a huge fan of the second statement. I want to be very clear about that. I didn't think it was necessary and again, I just – I think it from both sides probably could have handled this a little bit better. So it could have been painted to the public a little bit better um, because it doesn't sound like there are players that are mad at Kale Gundy, right? Like when you listen to podcasts, whether it's the unofficial 40, Kerry Murdoch and those guys, whether it's uh, Teddy Lehman and Gabe Eicher and those guys, whatever. If you listen to Oklahoma podcast, everybody will say the same thing. Um, there's a groundswell of support behind the scenes and from alumni – uh, of the person Kale Gundy is. Um, and so I'm interested to see if he lands on his feet next year. I don't think this is a situation that should keep him out of coaching. Uh, but I think it's very clear, as you said, which is just the dynamic that raises questions of it doesn't feel like Kale Gundy is going to return to Oklahoma. And Kale Gundy, I mean, like he, I think Brent Venables called him the fiber of the program. Like he is literally the OG like he he is like that no everybody loves Kale and Kale's had opportunities to be offensive coordinators elsewhere around the country Tyler and turned it down to take lesser jobs at Oklahoma and to continue lesser jobs at Oklahoma you know never got promoted I mean like and loved it and loved it and loved it and so there's you know you look at this last year like you know Brent Venables is coming in and Kale Gundy's around he's like, think about this. Kel Gundy lasted two head coaches and six offensive coordinators wanted to keep him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, in this world, that's nuts. Because usually everybody, a new regime or new staff, whatever it may be, wants their new coaches. Now you always have to remember that Oklahoma promoted from within uh, for a long, long time. So, like, from Mangino, it went, or from Leach, it went to Mangino, from Mangino to Kevin Wilson, Kevin Wilson to Heupel, Right. So like they promoted from within, which meant there was always a good chance for Kale staying, but he didn't even take another job. No, a coat Lincoln wanted him. Uh, and so it's just, it's a, it's a sad situation. And Oklahoma could kind of send some flowers out to Kevin Durant and some other news out in the country uh, in the big 10 uh, Oklahoma can send some flowers out because it's, it's kind of weird how the story is somewhat died yeah. um, over the last couple of days. And, you know, I think for everybody involved, including Kale um, and, and Brent and everybody, I think it's 
it, I'm good. I'm glad for them that this is dying down because I don't think it's as big of a situation as it got made out to be publicly. Yeah, I think so. Uh, speaking of the Big Ten, uh, I was thinking about this, Keegan, with uh, the money that it, it came out, what the Big Ten's getting for their new TV contract uh, for Fox and NBC and CBS. It's significantly more than even the SEC TV deal is with ESPN and ABC. And, you know, we go back in time this, you know, this time a year ago and, uh, you know, as it was reported, Oklahoma and Texas had reached out to the SEC about membership. And that's the conference that they ultimately chose, you know, where they wanted to go. If they had to do this all over again, seeing how much money the Big Ten got, do you think Oklahoma and Texas would have rather gone to the Big Ten knowing what they know now? Or do you think that, you know, they're, they're in the right place where they want to be going forward in the SEC? Oh, I think they're completely content with the SEC. This is, uh, you know, for four or five years, the Big Ten will outperform, I think, when you've looked at, like, the potential revenue for from TV deals and TV rights. The Big Ten will outperform the SEC for, what, a good four or five, six years? And then when if Notre Dame does decide that, but I did think there were some interesting comments from their athletic director that NBC doing a deal with the Big Ten actually makes Notre Dame's position of independence stronger, which I would kind of need that explained to me. But I think the obvious question is, in 30 years, who's going to be making more money? Because Oklahoma and Texas are making a 100-year decision. They're not making yeah. – uh, five to 10, 15 year decision. And so, yeah, they're, they're completely content with what, where they're at, what they're doing. Um, and I think with the big 10, the SEC clearly is going to be able to afford all the Olympic sports and have enough uh, time slots on all the linear networks, SEC networks, uh, all those channels, you know, they're going to make enough money to where they can afford all the Olympic sports. And I think that that's the obvious biggest question uh, with the remaining conferences outside of the Big Ten and SEC in the world of NIL, uh, if they could do that. And so I think Oklahoma and Texas feel like their position stronger. I said Olympic sports, obviously college football's king. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas are two of the biggest brands in the sport. Um, I think the SEC is still stronger, even at just at 16, opposed to what the Big Ten has right now. Um <laughs> I do think it's going to be funny, though, Tyler. You know, we get here 10, 20 years from now. Like, is Oklahoma and Texas a and I'm just trying to think of all, the, like, the big brands of the SEC. Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, LSU, Bama, Georgia, Florida. Um, like, are they going to be cool with Vanderbilt and Missouri still being in the league uh, and stuff like that? So, it's just – it's always amazing to me that, like, Rutgers next – in 2025 will make more money than Oregon. Um, from TV rights deals. It's just it's just the nature of the sport that we're in. And I think Oklahoma and Texas are completely fine playing college football in the SEC opposed to anywhere else. Now, I know why you asked the question, because you're a smart guy, and I did a podcast immediately when Oklahoma and Texas went to the SEC with you, uh, and I probably had mentioned during that time that Oklahoma was negotiating with the Big Ten and Fox as well with the SEC – I would say this, I think Oklahoma is thankful that Fox wouldn't budge on future TV plans uh, so they could go to join Greg Sankey and the mouse uh, in Disney uh, in ESPN. I think they're completely fine with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I think you're right about that. Um, with that said, of the the future of the the TV deals, um, you know, the, the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve kind of jockeying for position now going forward. We've heard the reports that ESPN kind of likes the late time flexibility that that the Pac Twelve offers here. But I, I'm thinking about this, Keegan. You know, if if I'm in in charge, you know, we we. We've always been of the belief that, you know, it's the networks ultimately calling the shots and, you know, where all this goes. They're playing kingmaker here. What if I would think if, if you're ESPN and, and you're trying to put this all together of what the best scenario is financially speaking, it doesn't make sense to pay the Big 12 and the Pac-12 both. And no one from this current Big 12, I think, is interested in going to the Pac-12. Wouldn't the best bet be – I, I, I know that people are saying the Pac-12 is be- better positioned right now, but if you're playing Kingmaker, isn't your best bet, okay, tell those some of those Pac-12 schools, come over to the Big 12, have football in all four time zones, and pay the Big 12, or, or am I missing something? I think the obvious key here is the Big Ten's waiting on Notre Dame. you got to get that out of the way first. Right. And if Notre Dame decides to join the Big Ten. I think that does open a door for a team like Stanford. And I think that obviously opens the door for teams like Oregon and Washington to eventually join the Big Ten. And so I do think what's so fascinating is that the Big Ten deal is reportedly supposed to go through 2030. I wonder if from the Pac-12's perspective now with that information – if they see it as, okay, we, the 10 schools right now, we can sign. Because you got to remember the Big 12 negotiation window is not right now. So the right. Pac-12, like, you know, we can sit here and talk about, you know, who ESPN is going to pay this and that. They don't really, they you know, they have the Pac-12 open right now. They can make a decision on if they want to take uh, some of the late kickoff times that they want. Um, it sounds like they will. Now what that looks like is obviously uh, the ultimate question. And would it be better for Oregon and Washington to strengthen their brand amongst the sport? Would it be better for Arizona State and Utah and Stanford uh, to strengthen their brand in the world of college football over the next seven years and then see what realignment looks like then? Maybe. Like, I, I don't think that's crazy. It Would it – would Eric – would it, is there also an outcome here where Arizona State and Arizona and Utah and Colorado look at the Big 12 and see stability and that if they don't have a seat at the table in seven years that they're already in a league that is a little more competitive, a little more passionate about the game? Yeah, I can see that as well. I do think politics play a part in this. Always does. And – I'm always intrigued by the idea if the Pac-12 was going to do it, that a Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Kansas, something like that's probably what's going to get done. But, I mean, just I don't see a world where Cal and Texas Tech are in the same conference. I'm sorry. Like, I I don't. I just – it it doesn't – that doesn't – Nothing about that relationship makes sense to me. So with that, with that, I think we're kind of just where we're at. Like, I think the 10 Pac-12, the 10 Pac-12 schools remaining, we can call it the Pac- – can we call it the Pac-10 again? Is that a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the Pac-10 probably sits on their hands and does some sort of scheduling agreement with some bigger name brands amongst the sport 
maybe something like Clemson and those schools want to play Oregon wouldn't be a bad idea for them. Uh, and so they can maybe fill in some, some of the games they lost with USC and UCLA there. And so I do think the Pac-10 probably remains. And again, maybe Kansas, like you tended the University of Kansas, you would probably know better than I would, but maybe Kansas makes sense. Maybe TCU makes somewhat sense, but I just, there's no one that attends Stanford or Cal that's going to enjoy their trips to Stillwater and Lubbock like you and I would enjoy their trips to Stillwater and Lubbock, right, to watch a college football game. They right. just, they wouldn't. And this is nothing against my Texas Tech and Oklahoma State friends, but my guys, I can barely handle attending a game in Stillwater and Texas Tech sometimes, right? Because it's just the, it's what, it's what you love about college football, right? The passion. But right. uh, I'm used to it. We can deal with that and enjoy it and see the bright light of that. Correct. Correct. Kyle and Stanford people, probably not Oregon people, probably not. Um, And so I do think that that plays a huge role in this and a, it plays a bigger role in this. than I realized when you and I talked last summer, I would say that I've come to find that out over the next last six months or so, not the last six months, but the six months that since we talked that, the political landscape of college athletics is probably going to keep the big 12 and pack 10 at arm's length. Interesting. Uh, fascinating stuff there. Keegan, we got a little bit of time left and uh, you know, with your company RPM dated, you guys are looking at draft prospects, looking at things in detail with a bunch of analytics. Most people wouldn't understand um, with that, who were some of the, the players that kind of intrigue you when you look at ahead to 2023 and, this upcoming year in college football of uh, of guys that will make that jump to the the NFL next year. Who are some of the early early standouts already from from what you've seen? I think it's uh, everybody talks about Will Anderson. I didn't want to paint this picture of like, oh, I'm the only guy saying he's like an elite player. I'm going to say this from the from the perspective of I watched Alabama defensive tape all of their defense probably early January. So it was at the very, very beginning of the offseason. Okay. So as you get throughout the offseason, you go through team by team by team. You're watching all the tape of all the other teams, Tyler. And then you come back and you watch Alabama tape six months from six months after that. So I just I watched it some Alabama tape maybe about a month, about two or three weeks ago. Like there's no player like him in college football. Like it it is when he when you watch him, it is different than every other pass rusher in college football. It it's amazing. Like you know, you can sit there and talk to talk yourself into Miles Murphy from Clemson. You can sit there and talk yourself into uh, some of the other top edge rushers in the sport heading into the draft cycle. It there's nothing like Will Anderson. Like it's unbelievable. He's so advanced in the against the run, against the pass, uh, and it's so it's just it it he people are right. It, last year at the top of the class had some good players like Trayvon Walker who went number one. Uh, as well as Aiden Hutchinson, Will Anderson's better than all. And so it's it. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's playing because there, I think, probably was some negotiation tactics from some like major insurance policies that he could get. But there was obvious talk in the scouting agency world that a guy like that may have best interest to sit out this season um, and not get hurt ahead of the draft next year because he's the guaranteed number one pick. Like, don't get hurt. Don't risk that at all. Um, I'm glad to see he's playing, and obviously that's number one. 
the most fascinating player, I think, in this entire draft coming up, or at least one of a few, is Trenton Simpson at Clemson. Uh, you saw him in the freak list from Bruce Feldman yesterday, Tyler. This guy's tape is wild. Wild. I mean, we're talking, like, if Isaiah Simmons was built, you know, he's just a, was like a, he's like a built-in-a-lab kind of guy. Like, Trenton Simpson looks like uh, – he he looks – it's like if Kyle Hamilton was built like a linebacker. Mm-hmm. He is nuts. Like, Brent Venables would play him inside at linebacker. He would play him back at safety at times. He would play him in the nickel spot. This guy is one of the most versatile defensive weapons in the upcoming draft. He's not at, like, an impact position, so he may not go number one, number two, number three, number four. But he's a guy you – I think it falls into that, like, eight, nine, 10, maybe 11, 12 range. And some team could love him and to go ahead and probably reach on a position. You know, he doesn't come from an impact position. So that's going to, I think that's going to hurt his evaluation a little bit, but this guy is, he's so interesting, super athletic, six, two, six, three, um, 235 to 230, 235 pounds going to run and the low four fives, like maybe high four fours, like just unbelievable player. And so, like, I think you can't start at least that conversation from there. Um, I do will say this. There are some young juniors that are going to be early entrants into this draft that are going to dominate the top of next year's draft or should uh, a guy, uh, Immediately off the top of my head, a guy like Jalen Carter from Georgia, just a flat-out dominant player. Um, he's a young, another young guy. He was a part of that Georgia defense a year ago, may have been their best defensive lineman. And it, what the scary part about him is he was way better in game 12 than he was in game six. Like, he got better as the season went on. And um, this draft year, you look at the quarterback, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young are the headliners, both juniors. So, we have a lot of really, really young players. And what I think for Mayan, what's so fascinating is that we're kind of getting 50% of their resume this season. So there's a lot of room for change um, amongst the draft boards this year, I think, outside of number one. If that's what I think is so interesting is like the team who's, you know, trying to think of the teams in the NFL this year, Tyler, who are trying to tank, right? Like Seattle, Atlanta, um, you know, those first ones that come to mind yeah like seattle needs a quarterback but will anderson's also available right like that's i'm sorry you can't take anybody else ahead of that guy right i mean fortunately for them they're in a situation where they have two first round picks they got denver's pick too so maybe that second pick is used on a quarterback or something into that conversation i think the quarterback class obviously a lot deeper i think you saw some teams jockey themselves as you put at the beginning of this uh jockey themselves into a draft position for next year um nobody liked the quarterback class from last year and i do think what's fascinating those guys became valuable eventually like the fact that you could get a guy like desmond ritter where the falcons did in the draft was probably valuable like he could end up being an asset for them eventually i mean on, on draft day malik willis had top 10 projections and fell to the third round that's that's a good pick by Tennessee. Correct. Like you're saying, yeah. And so, like, eventually those quarterbacks had value the farther they fell in the draft. And it was so funny. Like, you look at this year's draft, okay, you have 
you know, you have a uh, good Lord CJ Stroud, you have a Bryce Young. They played, we have only seen one year of them. Like we don't even have a, we don't have a full idea of what, who these guys are. I feel pretty comfortable about CJ Stroud, but with Baker, think about the Baker Mayfield, his transition. Like he wasn't an elite player until start 20, 21, 22 of his career. And look at Joe Burrow. Look at like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are unicorns, right? But they were that way coming out of high school. Like Bryce Young wasn't necessarily a unicorn in that way. And neither was CJ Stroud. And so what I do think is fascinating about this upcoming draft class are the quarterbacks and where they're going to be positioned. Like you had last year heading into the year, you had Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, DJ Ewan Galele, uh, and Caden Slovis were like the four you know, juniors, the guys that could be early entrants that people were, I as well was super high on heading into the year. Three of those guys are back. So like those guys are going to be entering this draft guys that had high draft grades last summer. And so how teams view this draft from the quarterback position is going to be super interesting. I just, I don't know, like you get to that position. I said, you get to the number two pick. And if you need a quarterback, is CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, like when you think of like ranking players and again, the quarterback position's a premium position, right? Like you need to make sure you're hitting on the hitting on that position as well as that pick. Do you feel better? Do you think there's value at CJ Stroud at number two, or is there as much value later in the first round on maybe a guy like Spencer Rattler? Right? Like, I think it's going to be fascinating how teams view this because from like my perspective, I think I have, five or six players I would rank higher than a quarterback in next year's draft. So, I mean, it's, it's twofold, right? I mean, we, we both agree, you know, the quarterback class this year's is much stronger than last year's class, but even then at the same time, as good as Stroud and young have been, and they've done everything that's been asked of them. It's not a knock on them at all. They're, they're not the Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Locke home run prospect that, I can't live without that I have to tank everything for either. I mean, yes, they're better, but they're not that can't miss product either, at least right now anyway. Exactly. And I think that's in terms of draft strategy, which that's what these teams are doing right now. Like the team, all the NFL teams will have their scouting departments as well as like director of player personnel and all the, those kind that those kinds of staffers at the NFL level, like they're developing their draft strategy right now, like trying to project out what the season's going to look like um, in order to best frame the way and give their scouts an idea and kind of what their plans are because it helps everybody out. So to what, yeah, to what you're asking, I think you're going to have to see significant progress from both CJ Stroud and Bryce Young to feel comfortable taking them over a, even in my opinion, maybe a guy like Miles Murphy from Clemson um Brian Breesy from Clemson right like uh Jalen Carter like it would it and it's just I don't view those players right now to be as dominant or to be who they are and maybe this is like football guy guy take right now I just I don't I don't see it yet and so I think it's fascinating and then you kind of throw in this wrench you throw in this little wrinkle here Tyler I don't know if any of the quarterbacks heading into next year's draft class are the best quarterback in college football. Mm-hmm. I think that guy may be at USC. Yeah. 
and he's a 2024 draft guy. So all you'd have to do is wait a year and you may have your quarterback for the next 20 years of your franchise. By the way, that, by the way, I know Oklahoma fans will listen to this. And yes, I haven't talked too much about this all that often because I didn't want to upset them, Tyler. As you know, they've been very online for the last seven, eight months. Yeah, that kid, there is nothing like him in college football. He is like it's that it's that thing, you know. I'm so it's like early, so- but he's the guy that's the Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence prospect level. He is the jewel of college football. Like Again, you get to that, you go through that problem. I, mean, I live in such a vacuum with Oklahoma, right? Like I, I, it's because of my job and it's also because of my, some, my, you know, radio, uh, radio opportunities and stuff like that. You know, like I have to continue to maintain like, and know what's going on with Oklahoma. Right. I live in such a vacuum. I got done with Oklahoma tape in December. So like I got through all of my Oklahoma tape before the poll game started. So it had been a while. So I've been now going back through some of the OU games offensively to kind of get an idea of what this team is going to look like. Again, you know, I had a pretty good idea, but just kind of confirming some of those, you know, biases I had ahead of time. And you watch this kid play. There is nothing like him in college football. There's nothing. He, you can talk, Bryce, Bryce Young is more like that than CJ Stroud is from the like, you know, making chicken salad out of chicken, whatever you call it, you know? And so, but Caleb is different, man. He's that dude. Again, it's so the USC conversation is so fascinating because like their defense isn't going to be very good. And I think everybody understands that, but I mean, it, it almost blasphemous to say, but watching the film, it looks like they got a faster Patrick Mahomes there. I've said this, he, the closest thing, I think Caleb, the running isn't going to be there as he ages. I don't see that like as his body type, but I mean, he's the closest thing I think we've seen to someone like a Rogers than, than a Mahomes. And so he's different. Like we're going to have a guy probably at some point that looks like Josh Allen that actually pans out again in the NFL. Um, it's like Aaron Rodgers in a Russell Wilson body, man. It's, it's, it's wild. It's the way he can throw off platform The you know, there's a play in Bedlam from last year. And I watched this tape last night before I didn't even, wasn't even planning on doing it before watching this. I had had some thoughts and I wanted to go back and see if I remembered some things. There's a play in Bedlam. Caleb gets hurried out to his left. He avoids the sack, gets pushed out to his left. Mario Williams notices it. He takes off on a scramble drill to the end zone. The ball was snapped at the 50. Caleb rolled out to his left, saw it, kept his eyes downfield, flipped his hips, and delivered a ball on the on would have been on the money, except for Mario Williams didn't play it right. It was like 65 yards in the air rolling out to his left. It's right. he's just different, man. And and I know. I said this a couple weeks ago. I wish he would have went to Notre Dame or at least pushed to go to Notre Dame and not USC. I would have picked Notre Dame to win the national championship this year if they would have, that would have happened. But familiarity makes sense. Uh, that USC offense this year is going to put up some major points. 
And like we saw Tyler in 2018 with Oklahoma, and I'm not comparing that offense to the, the USC offense to that to the 2018 offense by any means at all. But if you have an offense that can put up that is that efficient and can score that many points, the defense can really suck, and you can still make it. You can still go on a run. Like USC making a Pac-12 title game, I don't think it's out of like the radar here. Um, I do have Oregon winning the Pac-12, but I do think I have USC playing Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, that's that's wild. Uh, it's going to be very intriguing to see what he puts together. Keegan, uh, we got to run, but before we go, man, uh, where can people find you and uh, see what you're up to uh, with uh, not only uh, all the all the data stuff that you got going on, but uh, doing some radio and a few other things as well. Where can people find you, man? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Keegan Renault, K-E-G-A-N-R-E-N-E-A-U. And, yeah, you know, I I don't – I'm not covering Oklahoma football anymore. I don't – you know, necessarily it's not strictly all college football talk all the time. I kind of just tweet what's on my mind. Uh, but it's – uh, I enjoy it. I have fun with it. I've said this. It's in my Instagram bio. I wouldn't follow myself if I had to on Twitter. It's true. Um, but – for some reason people think and think it's funny and then they enjoy it. So um, that's kind of what I ride with. And uh, right now, because I don't, I don't have any obligations to Oklahoma football or college football. Yeah. I mean, you're people are riding along with me on this crazy train, this crazy wild fandom I have with the St. Louis Cardinals. So uh, people have engaged with that more this year, Tyler. I don't know people like, maybe it's because I like people can see how vulnerable I've been when the Cardinals lose games and like, yeah, I get as I get as down in the dumps as you guys do when OU football loses a game in in the regular season. Like, yeah, like I'm with you guys. I'm a fan, uh, not of OU, but as obviously of uh, of the Cardinals. So right, uh, you and, can... and people got to hear you. You know, uh, body and Matt Miller and, and coming for him. You know, I mean, they, they got to see all that. Yeah, that did happen yesterday, didn't it? <laughs> I wasn't supposed to do that, but I did. I love it. It's great. Keegan, uh, we went long today, but great discussion uh, covering all sorts of stuff. Appreciate you joining us, man. We'll, we'll talk in down the line. For sure. Looking forward to it. Time for Coach Bowles Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone, and his number is 785 785- 856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. You can also reach out to Bo by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's brian with a y.o'connor at lpl.com. Bo, uh, good to have you with us. Uh, we got an exciting draft that you're going to be around for later on as we're drafting super conferences. But in the meantime, time for the uh, football fix this week. What's going on at OAG these days? Uh, you know, we've got uh, right now, we're at that part of the year where we're working with a lot of folks, uh, a lot of small businesses, people who are, you know, uh, one owner, maybe two owners, and they're thinking about doing something with with their ownership or, you know, key employees. And like, hey, how do we make some of these employees happy? There's some things we can do to help them with that. And um, that's really what we've been doing a lot of lately. I just, I've had a number of cases we've been working on like that. So if you own a small business and you're thinking about, hey, I need to get my shit together or, you have a small business, maybe you've had that one employee that you just can't afford to lose and you want to do something for, we got ways to help you with that. And that we'd love to chat with you about that. 
We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. The link is in the uh, description of the show. Bo, uh, let's just start in the National Football League with uh, Roquan Smith. Uh, one of the best young players in football. He's been really good for the Bears the last couple of seasons. Back-to-back, second-team All-Pro appearances, and now he wants out of Chicago. Bo, uh, what, what do you make of uh, this situation? The way that the Bears have been so mismanaged and everything, uh, I can't blame Roquan for one out of Chicago. I can't either, and I know that he was trying to be patient and work out a long-term deal. The Bears haven't got that done, and now it's just – you know, what do you do? They have this great, great player who is worthy of, you know, of, of a long-term contract. It's also he's a position that's not really well rewarded in some places. But I don't know. I think the Bears as a, as a, as a team and as a franchise really have a lot of issues. And this goes to show a little bit of that, that they really don't have a clue is the how to build a team. Um, I mean, they have some pieces, but I mean, we, what do we really have there in Chicago? I don't really know. And I think when you're looking at really the guy that's been their best player for the last couple of years, you got to keep that guy happy. And I think that, that, I think, you know, asking for the trade was the right thing to do. I know that they've got him on the, they had him on the pup list. He has since come off the pup list and now he's going to get fined, but I expect that he'll be traded sooner than later. Yeah, um, you know, it kind of reminds me, remember when the Bears had Leonard Floyd a few years ago and they so mismanaged him, they underutilized him. He goes off to the Rams and turns into this great player. Um, You know, in in the case here with Roquan Smith, he's been really good, but I don't think he's reached his full potential yet. I think this Bears team has kind of held him back if, you got him somewhere, you know, a competitive team and with some, you know, competent leadership, he could still go up another level, I think. I mean, those numbers that, you know, he's had, you know, the, the sack numbers, the fumble numbers uh, aren't really that high. You put him somewhere with talent actually around him where you aren't focused just on him, he could really skyrocket, I think. I, I agree with that. I think that he's going to end up somewhere, and when he does, he's going to be an even better player. But he's going to go somewhere where he's going to be a fit. Um, at this point, I mean, who is a fit for the Chicago Bears? Right. I mean, that's their whole roster is like that. I just, I don't get it. I don't get what they are and who they are. And yeah, I think in Roquan Smith's case, I think he's doing the right thing for him. And, you know, I'm one of those guys that's kind of player first kind of things. And I think that that's where they should be. I think he should go ahead and ask for the trade and he'll get out of there. He'll, they should have probably done this, the Debbie and the Bears, a month ago. You know, way before the what you should have done before the draft. You know, got some draft capital out of it, if nothing else, because you would have. But yeah, just a miss, this is a mishandled situation completely by the, by the Bears. If you're a team that brings in Roquan Smith, not only are you gonna have to give up something for him, whether it's draft capital or a player or something, but He's going to demand some money, too, probably around $18 million, put yeah. him in that top three of uh, off-ball linebackers. Yeah. Um, who do you think could potentially be a good fit? That- you know, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I 
I'm thinking about this. I would, me, Baltimore comes to mind. Baltimore does come to mind. They're probably the favorites for it. Um, I'm trying to think of who would need a mic that, that badly. Um, so many teams are now playing that 5-2 or 4-2 look with five defensive backs. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a team like the Jets to come in there and try to be, keep building the roster. Um you know, I, I don't know what kind of draft capital the Dolphins have, but again, if you're building a roster, those are well, we know they already lost a couple picks. Uh, yeah. last so I, I think that you know, I think that the the team we've heard talking about it is the Ravens, which makes a lot of sense. But then from there, I think the Jets would be a team to take a look at, and then maybe the Packers. Um, Feel like the Bucks got an injury to somebody in that, in that spot too. That may I may be thinking of somebody else. So again, I kind of have to hold my opinion on a couple of those, but that's where I'd go right now. I, the Ravens are probably the biggest shot, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of teams step in there. And then you never know who gets hurt. I mean, we're in camp now; they're in pads, so we'll see what happens. All right, um, let's talk about Deshaun Watson and uh, Roger Goodell. Uh, Goodell has spoke out publicly after approving the sale for the Denver Broncos to uh, Rod Walton. Uh, Walton, now we're seeing uh, him respond to Watson's six-game suspension, saying that they hoped it would be at least a year and that he feels like the, the punishment fit if it was just one instead, uh, you know, they should have looked at it as four. Uh, and now he's got a former New Jersey attorney general looking into this. He'll have the final say. But then, of course, Watson could go to federal court after that. Right. Uh, what do you think about this situation right now? You, the, the Browns have a preseason game coming up. Watson could play in that. Um, I, I would suspect that the NFL is going to try to rush this through, uh, try to get a decision one way or the other. They, they don't want to see Watson on that football field. There's a term in the military. Have you ever heard of a cluster? Yes. It's what this is. Um, I agree with the NFL that this should have been a much longer suspension. Um, the thing that like angered me when I saw the suspension in six games was in the opinion, the judge wrote that Watson lied. It was a sexual assault but it was not violent. And I don't know about anybody else, but if it's a sexual assault, that in and of itself is violent. Um, I, I don't know what the, the and it was an independent arbiter who comes in and says, you know, it's the, the and this is who the CBA, they agreed on both sides, the, 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 the NFL and the NFLPA agreed to this. I just, I don't think the right thing was was um, the right sentence was handed out. I have been very vocal that I think Deshaun Watson should have gotten two years, and I think that his contract, the way it was set up, was clearly set up to get around a one year suspension. So I think that he should have to pay the penalty for that as well. I think that that's showing disregard for the process. So I, I I'm very disappointed. I hope the NFL wins. I don't think they will. I think that they'll make this an eight-game or a 12-game suspension. I don't see them getting a full year. When you get the eight or 12 games, then uh, we're going to see a lawsuit from Watson. 
it, it's going to be pretty bad the whole way around, if you ask me. I, this is going to get ugly, and it, it'd be Watson's best thing to do to just get away, to just take whatever this, the outcome of this is, set the suspension out. He had to think he was going to get at least a year anyway. So if he gets you know up to 10 weeks or 12 or even a year, take the penalty, get out of the way, and let the time die down on this. How they go into you know, federal court is a, is a bad idea. He's not losing all that much money in the end. I think the whole situation is a situation. Um, when it comes to this, uh, this appeal and, and this punishment here, um, what do you think is the point of where this doesn't go to federal court? If, if they hand down, let's say, if it goes up to eight or goes up to 10, does the Watson camp, you think, take that? Or do you think that they still go to federal court? What's that, what's that point you think where all of this just settles down? I think anything under a year, I think Watson's people will just tell him, hey, let's just get, get this thing moving. I think anything a year, full year or above, he's going to court. I mean, it's, I don't see any other situation where he wouldn't be going to court. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I don't have a good feel for what Watson's people will tell him. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Hard Knocks uh, got started this week on the uh, Detroit Lions. Bo, uh, I'll be honest, I haven't seen it yet, but I've been so disappointed at Hard Knocks the last few years. It feels like we haven't had a good season since the Browns year. Um, the show feels like it's gotten soft and yeah. so much kind of built-in PR within the show here. Uh, Dan Campbell, though, uh, getting people interested. Maybe maybe Hard Knocks making a comeback here? Well, there's a formula for, for Hard Knocks. And I don't disagree with you. I think that there's been a couple of bad seasons. The Cowboys season was not very good. Um, it's a formula. The formula is we're going to follow a star player and we're going to find the rookie free agent or the late you know sixth or seventh round pick who may or may not make the team. And we're going to follow them. And week one, you don't know who that is, so they wait till week two to introduce that person. The problem with the Lions, the Lions don't have a star player. They don't have a, a big-name quarterback or a um, you know big-name player that you're going to follow. You know, the Cowboys, they had the Dak and you know, the best friends thing, you know, Dak and uh, Zeke. So this year they came in and, and it was – Dan Campbell, and if you're a football fan at all, you gotta like Dan Campbell. He's got this tough, old school mentality. Ultimate football guy. Yeah, he is. And in episode one, they really focus on you know a lot of his coaches are ex players. You know, they talk about you know guys like Aaron Glenn, Deuce Staley, uh, Mark Brunel, who are ex players, fairly well known ex players, who have come in and they all have that same. Uh, Campbell's word is grit. And that grit is what they're going to talk about throughout the preseason. And then they talked about um, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, who's the, the second pick in the draft this past year, second overall. And they bring in his family and follow him. So he's kind of the guy, but it being the first round pick instead of being the, you know, in-house veteran, you know, um, like if you're doing the Chiefs and you had Mahomes now, that kind of thing. 
you know, you just don't have that there in that situation. So they went with what they thought was the best idea. I think we're going to see this go around the coaching staff more than anything. And I think that's okay. Cause I think if you're a football person, most football people like Dan Campbell and, you know, he had a fiery approach when he was the, um, um, he was the head coach of the Dolphins for 12 weeks a couple of years ago. And he was Saints and assistant head coach Sean Payton. He gets this job a couple of years ago and he has that strong will and mentality. And it's a tough guy mentality, but it's not an asshole tough guy. Like you see how he backs his players. You can see what he's trying to be. And I like what they're doing. There's a scene you'll like. You think you haven't seen it yet. They're doing up downs. The team is. I heard and Campbell does it with him. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind did, of fun. Did you catch the D's nuts joke at the end of the show? Yeah, he did that too. <laughs> yeah, he, he, you can tell he's going to be fun. I, I, I like Dan Campbell and I, I wish he'd been the guy who got the Saints job, but, um, you know, he got the Lions job last year. And I think he's a guy that could improve that team. And they were already three games better last year and they play better. I mean, they play with a sense of who they are. They're yeah. just not a talented roster. Right. And that'll get better over time. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. Um, and uh, with the NFL, you know, we're seeing preseason games get started. I had the Hall of Fame game last week, and now the uh, full slate here. What, if anything, intrigues you about the uh, NFL preseason over the next couple of weeks? nothing particular intrigues me. I think the best part of preseason now, you're not going to see very many starters in these games. When they're playing three games, they don't want to get anybody hurt. You won't see your favorite player that's been there forever in a day. Um, what you're really looking at is there's two things going on in these games. You've got teams where the people are competing for a spot, either a roster spot or a starting spot. And every team has that. Usually it's the end of the roster. You might have a couple positions where people are battling it out, but generally not so. And then, so you have people doing that, battling for those last spots. And then you have people who are trying to play as well as they can because they realize they probably aren't going to make the team, but they got to have tape. They've got to have someone, some tape for people to watch to bring them over to their team. And so a lot of guys are going to go out there and play hard you know, there's guys who are reaching for a spot, and that's what a lot of this is going to be. Guys are reaching for a spot, and they're going to play, you know, just as the other teams can see them play. Right. The, the preseason is not about the starters or even the second teamers. It's about – it's, it's not about winning or losing. No, it's about roster spot 53 through 90. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's about those guys trying to make those last spots, you know, and uh, it's very intriguing on that end. Uh, let's talk college football now. The Big Ten, new TV rights agreement, ESPN's left out, and it's going to be Fox, NBC, and CBS, as well as FS1 and the Big Ten Network uh, getting a package as well. And basically how it's mainly going to be split up, the best game of the week on, on for the Big Ten is going to be on Big Noon kickoff at, you know, 12 Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. 
And then the B package, the second best game, is going to be split between CBS at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central, and on primetime on NBC at 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central. Uh, They'll split that second best game of the week. Bo, uh, what's your initial reaction? I mean, the the money out there is just insane. I mean, CBS is going to pay more for the second best game than what ESPN is going to pay for the best SEC game that used to be on CBS. Yeah, this is going to be crazy. I think that everyone's looking at to put something on their streaming service. I think that NBC was desperate to get something because they're afraid of what happened in Notre Dame. And now NBC is the winner in this to me. Um, And I'll tell you why. They still have Notre Dame for a couple more years. If Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, which I think will happen, uh, whether that's, you know, two years, five years, whatever that is, they already have that package and a relationship. It'll be more apt to help Notre Dame go to the Big Ten. But in the meantime, Notre Dame's going to be able to give NBC a doubleheader. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to give them a Notre Dame game that people will watch, especially if Notre Dame fans, but then they'll be – then they'll get to watch the next big game, which will be a big – it'll be some kind of a good matchup every week. I would the say- surprising thing to me about it – I'm sorry to interrupt you – but okay. um, is that ESPN just went and said, this is too much. And they're going to keep their money with the SEC. I would assume they're going to make a big play for the Big 12 now. Yeah. The big 12 is going to be taking some teams from the Pac-12, and if that happens – I think we'll see ESPN take that. And then, you know, we'll see the ESPN fill in with some of the non-Power 5 conferences for late, late night and maybe for the 11 a.m. So the Notre Dame thing is interesting to me, Paul, because here's a situation where um, they're not just going to give up their primetime window. I mean, you have to have – make two parties happy essentially in this case um to me that kind of tells me something's in the works with the big 10 um because if, if you're notre dame like you you have a contract you have a contract to be honored here i mean um some, something's going on here yeah i agree i mean notre dame's not gonna want to give up that window but they don't take the notre dame night game very often they're usually at three o'clock, you know, our time, central time here. Um, but if you look at it, I went out to 2024 on future schedules and looked at Notre Dame's schedule. They already have two games against Big Ten schools already scheduled. They have Purdue at Purdue and at USC. Those could very easily be those Big Ten teams and those Big Ten games. You're just subbing in Notre Dame. Right. And then they flip to a different, smaller rivalry game the play at a, at a different time. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, to me, that, that that's interesting uh, how that will ultimately work out, how the two will, you know, be, be on the same page, essentially trying to get Notre Dame and the Big Ten together. And on the CBS end of things, okay, so they're paying more for the Big Ten than they have with the SEC window here. Um, that, that is, that's bizarre. I mean, I, I know that there was some bad blood between CBS and the SEC, 
But the fact that it got to the point where they're paying more for the B game for the Big Ten than what ESPN's paying, I mean, that's that's shocking. Yeah. I, I'm surprised they're paying that much for a B game, you know, when they could have gotten the A game from the SEC for what amounts to be the same amount of money. Um, I think part of that was that the uh, ESPN package didn't want to do that as well. I guess the, I think ESPN says, hey, we don't want to give up the A game if we're paying this much money. So that big guy was some of the reason why we didn't see that split off when it was the SEC's turn. Um, this whole thing is interesting to me. And, and I think we're going to see some changes with Notre Dame because of it. Right. And I mean, I don't know Notre Dame. I think we'll see some change with the SEC still with ESPN because of it when it's all said and done. So, yeah, that, that was one thing. You know, the SEC was kind of looked at as the trendsetter, you know, that they were like, okay, the SEC is making moves. They got Oklahoma, they got Texas, and they got this big deal with ESPN. But now the Big Ten is going to be on three major networks for the three windows. The SEC is exclusively tied to ESPN and ABC, and they're going to be making significantly less money. Do you think Greg Sankey may regret the deal they negotiated with ESPN going exclusive with them after all for less money? I don't think so. I think ESPN will come up with more money. I think it'll be, there'll be some workaround here. There'll be something ESPN will do. ESPN and Disney has shown they'll spend money when they want to. And they have the biggest conference as an exclusive. And we've already seen how much money they just spent on the NHL. I mean, there's going to be money. And there's going to be money that, that ESPN and Disney is going to give the SEC uh, in the meantime. They're going to work something out. Um, I think the Big Ten played this perfect. To mm-hmm. get three different networks to agree that way, you know, I'm, I'm shocked that NBC did what they did. Um, I just didn't see NBC get into the Big Ten piece. I had heard some rumblings, different things, but I didn't – didn't really really believe it. Thought their commitment to Notre Dame was Notre Dame, and that was it. But it was Notre Dame is Saturday, the NFL is Sunday, um, and they've paid so much money at Universal and NBC for all their soccer stuff they do. I didn't see them jumping into a big NF, a big NCAA package. CBS, I think, is the one that I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised again because they're getting the best game but they're getting the best game and paying more than what they could have with the SEC. Right. It it goes to show that really the big play here was adding USC and UCLA, bringing in the LA TV market was a huge deal and a huge get for the Big Ten. Without that, they don't get the steal. So for the Big 12 and the Pac-12's futures, um, you and I have said all along, that's the TV networks playing king, kingmaker and all this, right? I mean, absolutely. I think a big part of why ESPN and ABC don't have a deal in this new Big Ten contract is that the Big Ten handed the keys to Fox and said, call the shots. I don't think ESPN and ABC wanted to be controlled by Fox. I don't think they wanted Fox telling them what to do. I thought they felt comfortable with that. ESPN's always enjoyed playing kingmaker. And so now – with the big 12 and the pac 12 situations, I would have to think, you know, if you're the, the way that we've seen kind of things narrowed a bit here, um, if you're ESPN, you have the choice. 
either you could pay the Big 12 and the Pac-12 both, or you can pick one or the other. And no one from the Big 12 has any interest in joining the Pac-12. Um, if, if you're ESPN, I think the most logical move here is that you go get the four corner schools and you tell them to join the Big 12 and that you guarantee that more money is going to be there if they do this. And then you have football in all four time zones, all four windows of the day and maximize your money. And then you only pay one league instead of having to pay two. To me, that seems to be the most logical sense. What do you think yeah. how that plays out between the power grab between these two and both wanting to get ESPN's money? We've got three conferences going for money. We've got the Big Ten, we've got to play the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC. And the ACC is tied up for until like 20 Tied up for a couple more years, for a few more years. So they're not going to get any piece of this right now. And their conference is going to fall apart as well. The Big 12 has been smart, and they have decided, hey, we're going to go get these Arizona schools. They're going to get both of them. They're going to grab or, uh, Oregon and Washington. And they're going to say, okay, let's grab these four. Let's bring them in. And you're right. What it does give is it gives ESPN will make the deal with the Big 12. It will not be as lucrative as the Big 10s. It won't be as lucrative as the SECs, to be perfectly honest. But you are spot on on this piece. It gives them games in every corridor of the day. From 11 a.m. to 2, the 5, 7 and 9 p.m. our test, which is 10 p.m. on the East Coast. I mean, you're going to have games even late night. It's going to be Big 12 conference games. You got time to fill now with the Big Ten gone. Yeah, and with the Big Ten's going to be out of there, eventually the ACC is going to be out of there. That's where they're going to go. They're going to make that deal. And the Pac-12, what's left of it, which will be – Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, Utah, and a few others, they're going to have to either jump in with the Big Ten or jump in with the Big 12, or they're going to go to the way of the Mountain West. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to see ultimately uh, how all this plays out in uh, this crazy world. Uh, last thing uh, on financials and college athletics, uh, this kind of leads into our draft segment that's coming up next uh, on the future of college sports. Uh, SMU announces that they're going to have a new collective that's paying every football and men's basketball player thirty-five grand. And this is after Texas Tech a couple of weeks ago announced their collective is going to pay twenty five grand apiece. Bo, um, I think maybe we kind of underestimated these these rich private schools, although they may not be nearly as big as some of the power programs. Uh, maybe not in you know have the biggest followings. You know, in, maybe in big markets, but don't have big followings. What's going to keep them competitive, you know, at the table is uh, is cash and schools like SMU. Some of those have more schools than anyone else does. Yeah, I mean, you look at there's going to be some of these schools that are going to make huge leaps and jumps because they have money. You know, I mean, SMU is one of those schools. Um, I don't think we overestimated or underestimated any of this. I think we knew the wild wild west was coming. 
And that's why everyone's talked about why Texas went to the SEC. It's why Texas has three different collectives. You know, other schools have multiple collectives. We're seeing this across the board. And yeah, you're going to have a billionaire donors in certain places. It's why when the SEC right now is looking at other schools, they're looking at Virginia as one of those schools. Well, why? There's so much D.C. money there. You know, those kind of things. So we're going to see a few schools that are going to all of a sudden start recruiting. That's just going to be because the collectives are paying them and paying them a lot. I mean, this all started with Miami last year. You know, Dan Lambert and his crew decided they were going to pay every Miami player 500 bucks a month. And then you see the BYU has one now for walk-ons to pay their tuition. And then they have one where they're paying all their players. I think it's a couple thousand a month or something like that. It's a, it's a ridiculous amount, but they're getting the money. And this is going to sound awful, but watch out for the religious schools. Because the Lord always got money. He's always asking for more, but he's always got <laughs> Hand around that offering plate. Let's go. Man, the offering plate's going to get a little bit. You're going to have to start giving a little bit more if you're one of these religious ones, if you're BYU, if you're Notre Dame. Think about that. I'm going to start tithing 10% to Oklahoma State to make sure we stick to that. <laughs> you ever notice that God always needs money? He, he's all-knowing. He's omnipotent, but he's just not good with cash. <laughs> it sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. You know, my pastor growing up, he always said, uh, you know, give your tithe in a little extra. And uh, I think uh, these religious institutions, uh, the tithe, that's not going to be enough anymore. You better have that extra. Yeah, you're going to have to. What can your business offer to these young people coming in? Yeah. I, just, uh, we'll just put pastor robes on Pistol Pete and we'll just, you can just start calling us the rolling tithe. Roll. It yeah, I mean, crazy. You don't have, I mean, we've there's stories Pastor out there. T Boone isn't there to bail you out anymore. T Boone yeah. been perfect in the NIL era. Oh man, T Boone would have been giving it up. But like, you know, it how much money is old Jerry gonna give in Arkansas? Yeah. I mean, he, he can't take it all with him. He can't win one in Dallas, so might as well win it. He might as well go try to buy him one in Arkansas. I mean, that's that's what's gonna happen. And it's I all mean, unique circumstances. I mean, Phil Knight has 80 schools to make happy. He can't give all that money to Oregon when he's got to keep everybody happy, too. I mean, there's only so much Phil Knight could even do in Oregon. Every circumstance is going to be unique. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that and you look at, I mean, just every school is going to have this. They're going to go to their biggest names and they're going to they're gonna say, hey, do you want to put in? And you're going to see schools like, I mean, Miami has a couple of them, and Miami's got one where the ex-players are coming together now. Yeah. You know, you know, at LSU, they're getting the ex-players together. That's who paid for their last locker room was ex-players. I mean, when you've got that kind of thing going and they're putting together, they're putting together millions and millions in these things. I mean, Nick Saban wasn't wrong that AM is trying to buy players. It's totally legitimate now. And I know that there's some talk that, you know, we're going to see something. Politicians are going to try to get together in the Senate and do something. But I don't know how they're going to bargain that deal at all. 
One more note for you on the NIL front. We'll end on this before we get to our draft this week. Um, this is my favorite NIL deal yet. Nebraska wide receiver DeColdis Crawford signed a deal to become the new spokesman for Omaha's SOS Heating and Cooling. What was the name again? DeColdis Crawford. I saw that. DeColdis AC in the Midwest. (laughs) I lived in Omaha. You don't need much AC there, but you got DeColdis. I'll bet right now you do if it's anywhere like Kansas City right now. Oh, Lord. Well, Bridget, join us as always. Uh, He'll stick around. Steve Braun and Derek Haglund going to join us as well for our draft segment as we will draft Super Conferences for League 16 teams. Next, the Summer of Jones continues with draft season as we enter what is the final stretch, the home stretch of drafts to wrap up the summer months here at the Jones Report and we have maybe the most unique drafts yet that we've come up with. We've done everything from drafting gas station menu items to, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff over the last uh, several weeks. You know, last week it was TV shows you used to watch. And now we dive back into the sports world and talk about maybe the hottest topic of the entire summer of super conferences and the direction of those. And, uh, for our draft this week, we had to bring in a couple of extra people just to be able to make this work. Uh, beyond just ball with me here this week, Derek Haglin is here, Sports Radio 810 and uh, ESPN Kansas City, as well as Steve Braun, uh, former uh, radio host in Tulsa, now uh, working in college athletics in uh, the state of Texas, and they join us right now. Fellas, good to see uh, everybody here. Steve, first off, with, with you, it's been a long time, man, but uh, glad to have you with us. What's going on with you? I, I thought I had been blacklisted from the Jones Report. So, <laughs> you're, no, no, you're, you're welcome back. It, it's been a minute, but good to have you do, back. Do I go like Dwayne the Rock Johnson? And it's, it's good to be back. <laughs> yes. You're yeah. gonna raise a few eyebrows. Yeah. I can't do the eyebrows, so I'll, I, I'll hold. Finally, close. Steve has come back. Yes, finally. Yeah. There you go. Has come back. Derek is here with us as well. Derek, how we doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Very well, very well. And uh, Coach Bo, you heard from him earlier with uh, the football fix this week. So how this will work, kind of explain the format here real quick. Uh, Each of us represents a power conference. Uh, In in this show, we have decided to, uh, you know, say goodbye to the Pac-12. We all, uh, we we sent them off to uh, Guantanamo and uh, (laughs) – gone with four power conferences of the Big 12, the SEC, the Big 10, and the ACC. I'll represent the Big 10. Bo's going to represent the ACC. Uh, Derek is going to represent the ACC, and Steve will represent the Big 12. And we all have 16 picks. It's up to each of us to draft based on how we see fit. You could go with a regional preference based on what your conference actually is based on its history you could go with the best teams available you could focus on markets it's up to you the individual to uh, draft based on what you prioritize in that sense so the draft order Bo you're first I'm second Steve's third and then uh, Derek will be fourth and we'll go reverse order from there any questions before we get started boys all right I guess we're uh, good to go Bo you are on the clock first with the uh, first overall pick 
You know, Jonesy, we talked about this last week, and I said, man, I don't want to draft who I have to draft. I did not want to draft first overall. And this is a tough one, but I'm taking Ohio State first overall. Okay. I get laughed out of the room, but overall, you look at everything. They have everything you can want from a university, and I just think they're they're in a better place than literally everybody. So I'm taking Ohio State first. And their TV ratings are better than everybody else's too. Better than Notre Dame, Alabama. It's I think that's a home run pick uh, with Ohio State. In all honesty, that number one pick, hard to argue. I will go with, uh, since you left me then, Alabama uh, with my next pick. Uh, easy call here. Bring Saban and company to represent the Big Ten. What a win for the Big Ten. We'll go with uh, Alabama reaching south. Steve, you're on the clock. I'm going to go Notre Dame. Okay. Um, the Big 12. <laughs> the Big 12 would be thrilled to have Notre Dame. Uh, they would. Yes. yes. Uh, Derek, back-to-back picks. For the well, I, I, I mean, I, I can't believe the defending national champion fell to four. So give me the Georgia Bulldogs um, and and Kirby Smart. Um, Brian and Steve both took who I wanted to take. I was going to take Ohio State or uh, Notre Dame after I took Georgia. Um, but given their – oh, man, this is, this is a tough one. Um, the first one's always the easiest one. Um, I, I'm going to go with Clemson. You know, they've, they've won two national championships in the last decade. Uh, I think it's going to be a bounce back year. Um, they're a national brand, just like Georgia. So I'm going to go with, uh, with Clemson and then uh, obviously Georgia already. Okay. So Clemson, uh, the first retained school in their original league in this draft. Steve, uh, back on the clock for the Big 12. Ryan's over here, like, marking off teams. I'm like – Yeah, I got to have, like, a list. He's got, like, a cheat sheet. I'm going to – I just have a list of the power. Where did you download power. this cheat sheet? I, I need this website. <laughs> I'm going to go – I just uni- Googled it. <laughs> I'm going to go to the University of Oklahoma. Okay. Mm. So, uh, Steve, taking his sooner to remain to come back to the Big 12, uh, essentially, uh, with that yes. pick. Oklahoma and Notre Dame in the Big 12. Uh, me on the clock here, uh, I'm going to take the first uh, West Coast school and – and uh, a lot of irony with this pick, I'm sure. I'm going with USC uh, with my next selection out of Los Angeles. Uh, we get them in Alabama in the same league, and USC goes to their new home in the Big Ten. Uh, we'll, we'll keep them there. Bo, back to back. All right. Um, well, I'm going to take an SEC school, and Tyler's going to know who I'm taking here. I'm taking LSU. Oh. This is a little bit of a homer pick for me. I get it, but I'm not going to not have LSU. So, and then there's always been a little thing with them in Ohio State. So you got a little rivalry built in there. And then the next one, I'm kind of looking at two different teams, but I think I'm going to have to take Ohio State's biggest um, competitor, and that's going to be Michigan. Uh, okay. So, so far in the Big Ten there, you have Ohio State, LSU, and Michigan. Me or uh, you as the SEC there? The SEC. Uh, me as the Big Ten, I got Alabama and USC so far. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the richest school in the nation, uh, although they've been a disappointment for the last decade plus. It's hard to argue the dollars. I'll go Texas uh, with my third pick there in the uh, third round. Steve, you're up. Ooh. I was, gonna, I, I was leaning towards Michigan, but Bo grabbed that for the SEC. Um. Hold on one second. I, I, I don't have my list like Bo does. I need to. 
Tyler sprung this on me. Let's go the University of Florida. Okay. (laughs) Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Florida in the Big 12. Very good. Uh, Derek, back-to-back with uh, Georgia and Clemson already in the ACC. Yeah. um, I mean, most obviously the big-name ones are are out there except for – I'm going to go with uh, Oregon and then uh, Penn State. Okay. I'm going national brands, man. It looks like all of us are going national at this point. Yeah, and and I actually know uh, the family. I actually know the Landing family. Um, so you know, go Ducks. Go Ducks. Okay, Steve. Right. Next pick for you, Steve. I'm I'm going to stay kind of within the region and go Texas A&M. Bring back the Aggies. Bring back that crazy fan base to the Big Twelve. Okay. Um. Let's uh, let's go in. Uh, this is going to be my first ACC pick, and um, I think this is the only this is the most valuable team in the ACC. I'm uh, I don't think they're going to be in the real ACC much longer. I'm going Miami with uh, my oh. pick. Uh, the U. All about the U. I'll throw up that U there. Uh, Bo, <laughs> who do you got with your back to back? I was going to go Miami. I was that was one of my twos here. Um, this has been kind of tough. Should have let Steve have Miami so that he could have the Catholics versus the convicts. Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. not a bad idea. It hurts me that I keep taking Big Ten. I keep taking Big Ten schools as an SEC guy, but Wisconsin sitting there. So I'll take Ooh. Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. And then uh, I was going to go A and M in Miami. Um, I'm going to go Auburn. War Eagle. There you go. Okay. So, both so far, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, Wisconsin, Auburn. I have Alabama, SC, Texas, Miami. Steve's got Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Florida, Texas A&M. Derek's got Georgia, Clemson, uh, Oregon, and uh, Penn State. So, so far, so good. These conferences are looking uh, very good. Good at this point. Uh, my fifth pick, now things are starting to get tough. I feel like there's been a significant drop-off now in this this next tier of schools. And at, at this point, uh, I'm, I'm thinking – I've been thinking hard about this one. I'm going to go with, uh, with Florida State. Uh, we'll, we'll, this will be my first rivalry. I'll, I'll put them and Miami together in, uh, in my league. Steve, you're up. You're a bitch. Um, <laughs> that's exactly where I was leaning. So now I'm, I'm I scrambling. Florida State. I, I mean, Florida, Florida State has not been very good in, in football in recent years, but you think historically, especially with Bowden, it's like that that would have been the great team to have. Um, Even under Fisher, when Fisher was yeah, there. Yeah, Fisher had them rolling as well. All right, let me bounce around here real quick. On I'm, I'm I'm I've pulled up Wikipedia. That's where I'm stuck <laughs> at. That's where I'm at in this. Jones gave me like two minutes of head, heads up, just scrambling. You <laughs> know he got really well, he got really desperate. I mean, he probably had Tim Brando like lined up for this, and now you guys are stuck with me instead. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go to the University of Tennessee. 
Okay. Picking uh, Josh Heupel, putting him in Oklahoma in the same league. I like yeah. it. Okay, Derek, uh, back-to-back picks. Back-to-back picks. Well, you took uh, you took Florida State, who I was going to go after. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to kind of go off a little bit of beaten path because they're going to join a, a power five conference very, very soon. Um, and they're they're a good market. Um, I'm going to take Houston. And uh, then I'm also going to take uh, the University of Iowa. Hawkeyes. Okay. That's right, baby. As, uh, my, my Iowa hoodie says, break the rock. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't expect Houston to go that high. It might have been a little reach there. Um, might Steve, have been. Steve, they're going to be really good this year. So, Okay. Steve, your next pick. All right. I am going to go with – can you tell I'm stalling? Mm-hmm. The the University of North Carolina. Okay, that's a good pick. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what their future be- beholds if uh, if their football is good enough to get them uh, into the Big Ten or the SEC eventually. That remains to be seen. But you'll go with them uh, as your next pick. Uh, I'm back on the clock now uh, with this uh, next pick. I'm uh, I'm going to go back north uh this time i say back north i haven't taken a northern team yet uh i'm gonna go with michigan state for my next pick then again yeah. i didn't get uh wisconsin michigan or ohio state or penn state i'll go with like the fifth best option give me a score. um Bo, back to back now okay i'm gonna take kentucky okay it's a football to me, school. One of the dark horses in football, what they're doing there looks great. And I'm going to take Washington way out west. Okay. Very good pick. Um, all right. Now back to me. Let's see here. Um, let's, uh, let's see here. Now, now I'm thinking. This, this is tough. Now we're, we're getting a little difficult. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to go to the Big 12, and I will take Oklahoma State with this pick. Let's, uh, let's beef up that uh, the middle of the conference, uh, you know, get that, uh, that nine-win Mike Gundy team every year, you know, that, that right, doesn't have to play Oklahoma now, but they'll beat Texas. The Estable uh, champion, Mike Gundy. Yes. yes. Steve, you're up. All right, I'm going to go with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Okay. Good call. That's a good pick. Uh, Derek, uh, back-to-back picks. Uh, So let's go with Baylor. Okay. A solid football program under Dave Aranda. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with Scott Drew being the second best basketball coach in the Big 12. Um, And then uh, I'm going to go, just because I know they have a big alumni base, um, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm going to go with UCLA. Okay. Give me an eight clap. (laughs) All right. It's a legit thing. The eight clap. It is. You're not wrong. Steve, uh, next pick for you. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to follow Derek's lead from a few picks ago, a few rounds ago. 
I'm going to dip into the F, the American Athletic and go with SMU, Southern Methodist University. Whenever you have an NIL deal that's paying out $36,000 <laughs> per player. At minimum. At minimum, you're probably going to start seeing some, some payoff there. Take it back to the old Pony Express days before the, the death penalty came as well. SMU, yeah. I think with what they're doing, what they're, where they're at located in Dallas, um, can't pass that up. So SMU to the Big 12. I don't think the people realize how much money they have flowing through yeah. there. Like, I mean, through, through that school, because, like, they've got huge boosters. I mean, obviously, Clark Hunt and his family have all gone there. His daughter is getting her uh, her master's there. Like, there is a lot of old, old oil money flowing through that school. Yep, there's a lot of money that uh, – there's a reason why they're one of the only programs, if not the only, I can't – to have the death penalty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they were pumping that much money into it, and now you've made that legal. Yeah, like it, it's about to take off. Yeah, the pony Dickerson's Trans Am. The uh, the pony excess is coming back in full force, it is right. Yeah. That's right. Um, next one for me. This one's maybe the last blue blood on the board. Kind of surprised they're still out there, haven't been great the last few years, but a blue blood nonetheless. I think I'd be happy to have them this late in the the ball game. I'll go Nebraska with uh, my next pick here. Bo, you're up. Back to back. All right. Um, I'm going to go Stanford. Ooh. He wants the intellectuals. you got to have some smart people in our conference. Sure. I mean, we have LSU. If you're going to the real low end, then you got to have somebody on the high. you got to um, keep that GPA as yeah. a conference. I, mean, we yeah. have Vanderbilt. I see what you're doing. Stanford's yeah. going to be the Vandy of your league. Yeah, there's a reason right. why Tyler and I were in classes or on teams. It was to get that GPA up. Yeah. Somebody like what they say in the Fab Five. Somebody's got to be the Rob Palinka of the team. Thank <laughs> you. Get the GPA up. Yes. My other pick is going to be Virginia. Uh-huh. Nice I, I'm looking at that's the DC TV market. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let's see here. So far, I've Alabama, SC, Texas, Miami, Florida State, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, and Nebraska. Uh, let's go back into let's go back into the SEC, and you know, I, this one I, I might be reaching here, but I feel like that they have things headed in the right direction as a as a program. I'm gonna go Ole Miss with this next pick. Um, I'll take them off the board. All right, Steve, you're up. I am going to go with the Utah Utes with my my pick here in the ninth round. Okay. All right, uh, Derek, uh, your ninth and tenth pick. So I know I know Steve took uh, the University of Notre Dame. I'll go with the other national religious school, uh, BYU. Okay. National brand, lots of eyes. You know, there's a lot of people that love Mormonism. I'm not one of them, but, um, you know, uh, they didn't say I had to convert to it to draft them. So um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go there with, uh, with BYU. Okay. And then, oh man, you know, uh, it is, it is starting to get a little bit, 
hard right now. Um, man, I'm, I'm looking at games for week one of uh, the college football season. So that's where um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take my first, uh, we're, we're what in the 10th round now. I'm going to yeah, take my, uh, I'm going to take my first big 12 school because I think this school is going to be really good this year. Um, and I love who they just hired as their basketball coach. Uh, I'm going to go K-State. And and you're a KU fan, taking K-State above KU. Well, uh, I think K-State this year could win 10 games, and I really like Jerome Tang. So Lance Leipold's got to do it on the field for me. I never said I couldn't take KU. Never okay. said I wouldn't take K. I wouldn't not take KU. But I think this is a good spot to, to take K-State, especially what they've been the last – Oh, 30 years or so uh, in football. Okay. And they finally have somebody who isn't going to refer to the play hard chart uh, after losses. <laughs> Steve, you're up. All right. I'm going back to the well, the old Big 12 well, Colorado. Okay. Uh, Get that Denver market program that probably fits a little bit better actually in the Big 12 than the Pac-12. Bring them home. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get with this next pick, the Chicago market, and I'm going to take care of my academic needs all at once. Give me Northwestern with uh, my next uh-huh. uh, Got to make up for having Ole Miss in my league somehow on the academic side. Uh, <laughs> Bo, uh, back-to-back for you. Hey, I missed the pick. Steve, what was your ninth pick? Utah. Utah. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. That would have been on me. All right. I'm, uh, I'm going to go off the power five and pick someone who's a football power off the power five, and that's Boise. Uh, Boise State. Okay. Yes. And, and as you probably tell, I'm all about football in this conference. There's nothing else I'm worried about. That's where all the money is. I don't care about anything else. So uh, we're going to go Boise. And then – this, this one gets hard now. You gotta Again, I'm looking for football teams, so and I love their coach, but I hate picking Big Ten teams, but I'm going to take Minnesota. Ah, row the boat. Row the boat. I really like P.J. Fleck. So. And they put a lot of money into sports in that university. Yeah. You know, I, again, I, there's someone who wants to be a player. Okay. He recruits the Kansas City area pretty well. Well, that way he loses that one big recruit from Kansas back to Kansas. Well, Kai Thomas, yeah. Yeah, came back to KU now. Yep. That's going to be a fun backfield. Yeah, it is. Okay. I almost feel guilty picking this, but uh, at this point in the ball game here, you know, trying to find markets and good all-around programs, facilities, I'm going with uh, Mizzou with this next pick. Uh, I'll take them uh, in around uh, 10 at that point. All right. I think, Steve, up. I, think, I think we're in round 11. Or round 11, round. Yeah, we're in 11. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm going to go with Mississippi State. I don't believe they have been taken by anybody. They are available, yes. Give me Stark Vegas and the Madness and the Cowbells. Bring it to the Big 12. In, uh, in Steve's Big 12, uh, Big 12 Media Days is just Mike Leach talking the entire time. Yeah. 
basically, yes. I love um, Derek, back to back. Yeah, so I'm going to um, – again, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm doing this, but I'm going to go with a, a team that's going to be in the uh, – going to be in the Big 12 real soon, Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, they, they haven't been uh, – they have not been, been taken. Um, and I'm going to go uh, the next one uh, with the uh, North Carolina State Wolfpack, Dave Dorn. Okay. So now we're into the we are we are in the twelfth round should be. We are in the uh, the witching hours at this point. Uh, That's right, baby. <laughs> Steve, uh, back to you. All right. Let's see here. I am going to go with. The University of Pittsburgh. Pitt uh. Panthers, put them on the board. Okay. Pittsburgh, good market, finds a good home there. Um, let's see. You know, for, for me, I'm going to go with this next pick. Um, with I'll ride with South Carolina as uh, my next pick. I'll keep them and, and uh, Alabama and Ole Miss and Mizzou all in in uh, this new version of the uh, the Big Ten with uh, with my pick there. Bo, who do you got next? Uh, you, I love that, South Carolina. Uh, I love that you've done me a favor and taken all the shitty SEC schools away. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. Your next pick will be Vanderbilt, and we'll be clean sweeped out of this. It'll be great. Um, I'm going to take Arizona State. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take Arizona State. Okay. All right. And Maryland. You're going to take Rutgers next? <laughs> no, we don't want the New York market. <laughs> They're in New yeah, Jersey. Because so They're many Jersey, people. Yeah. So many people in the New York, New Jersey area are yeah. tuning in for Rutgers games every it week. It doesn't matter how many billboards at Yankee Stadium they get trying to say that that's New York's team. It's not. I saw that uh, Rutgers is selling season tickets for less than $100 at Costco. Oh, yeah. Got to make a deal somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's like two tickets for 89 bucks. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to head back west. I'm going to go with the flagship school of the state of Arizona, uh, the Wildcats. Uh, we'll bear down with uh, Arizona there. Steve, back to you. All right. Um, let's go with let's go back into Texas. Go the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Patrick Mahomes would be happy. Okay. All right, Derek, your uh, final two picks here. Well, uh, I'm going to go uh, UCF. Okay. And I'm going to go Kansas. Thanks for taking Kansas so I didn't have to. I was going to take Kansas just well, to make sure they got drafted, but you well, did one of us, one, Only one of us on here is a Kansas season ticket holder for football, so it's only right that I take them. We, we had to protect the brand. I'm, I'm glad we're right. looking out. For Lance's, Lance's Legion will not be <laughs> shut out. 
Not are we I going 14 or 16 rounds here, Tyler? I thought we were going 16. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Matt, yeah. Matt, I'm goodness jones i know that's why i'm not uh going like matt back millen is running our draft yeah yeah <laughs> okay well good 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 sorry about that all right back i to still steve. stand by my picks i still stand by my picks back to steve i respect that i respect that Derek. <laughs> yeah i was going with those two schools whether it was the last round or not okay we were afraid Derek was having a panic pick there and went with kansas um i'm gonna go basically the equivalent but over on the on the East Coast, the Duke Blue Devils. So you get Duke and North Carolina in the same league. Yes, sir. Okay. They've had success at times, not high success, but it's also got that basketball flavor. I know that doesn't really matter necessarily in what we're talking about, but hey, bring it in, get that rivalry. Who knows what happens if you get them into this kind of setup? Okay. Uh, I'm going with uh, Take Me Home, Country Roads. Are you going to be riding with uh, JT Daniels? I belong, West Virginia. Great song. John Denver, uh, one of the best. West Virginia uh, comes off the board for me with uh, that next pick. Bo, uh, you picked Maryland last round. What are you going? Maryland and Arizona State were your last two picks. What are you? All right, so I've got Maryland, and I've got – Virginia. So again, we got to have rivalry. So we're taking Virginia Tech. Uh huh. Ah, that's what I was going. I just put that down. Okay. And then I've got Kentucky. Well, why don't I take Louisville? Hmm. Okay. Pick. Okay. Um. Let's see here. So. What is – oh, I, I know where I'm going with now. Um, solid football program, good all-around athletics. Um, and uh, I think they would love to be in the Big Ten if they ever got the phone call, but I don't think it's happening anytime soon realistically. I'm going with Iowa State with uh, ah. this next pick, going with the uh, Cyclones there. Steve, uh, you're up. All right. Let's see here. I am going to go Illinois. Okay. All right. Now, Derek. Bring them on. This is now, is this 15 and 16? Yes. Yes. Okay. We were just teasing you earlier, Derek. (laughs) Right, right. Really, Uh, Jones got a, a. Got a high school diploma from Broken Arrow High School like I did. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. You only got to make it through three years of high school in Oklahoma. I know. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go with Cal. Okay. Academics, a lot of like money thro- flowing through that school. Um, and then oh, the last one. Just because of the market. Um, let's go with, uh, I was going to take Louisville, but, uh, somebody else had to take them. Let's go with Memphis. Gosh, dang it. Memphis. Okay. Steve, last pick. Well, I was going to take Memphis. So now I got to go scramble and find somebody else. I think I took four American athletic conference schools. 
Houston, Cincy, UTF, and, and Memphis. Yeah, you did indeed. Um, can Wichita State bring back football? <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's funny. Um, be here. Dang it. All right. I am going to go with – hold on. You have who's a lot left of schools. In, who's left in the take, Big Ten? You should take TCU just because they're in the they're in Texas. And yeah, that's really but part of me almost wants to leave them off and, and have taken Purdue's SMU instead. Purdue, Purdue and Indiana are available. available. Indiana are available. Yeah, Wake Forest. Purdue. Boston College is still out there. I think I'll go Washington Purdue. State is still out there. Cincinnati is out there. Nope, since he got taken. No, Cincinnati got taken. That's Cincinnati. one of Derek's. Are That's you right. paying attention to this show, Jones? Who the hell is He's only the host. He doesn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> what show true. is this? <laughs> the fighting the fighting George Karloftis would be proud of, of Steve. Yes. Taking Purdue. Okay. Right. Boiler up. Drew Brees, because he's about the same height as I am. <laughs> and uh, and you got all the athleticism, right, Stu? I did, actually. Yeah. Um, for but me, Drew's this... the one with the Super Bowl ring. Where's the justice in that? Right. Um, for me, this came down to two options, uh, Boston College or TCU um, for the, my for this final two-pick. And um, – you know, I know that neither one of them are huge schools. They're both religious institutions. Um, but TCU has been a lot better in, all around recently. Uh, so TCU will get my uh, final pick. Bo, you have the last pick of the entire draft. Who is uh, going to be the final choice and gets well, the last seat at the table in the Super Conference, 16-team Super Conferences? All right. So I could take a homer pick or I could take an out-there pick. I'm going to go with the out-there pick. Okay. UNLV. Ooh. Okay. It's been a while since Randall Randall Cunningham was there for sure. football. Sure. But we've got a school that's, uh, you know, in Vegas. Money's going to get thrown around. Let's see what happens. Brand new stadium. Sharing yeah. with the Raiders. I mean, yeah. see what happens. Okay. But that's my 16th team in this. I think, I, I think I'm pretty happy. So, yeah. to recap. Here are the results. Um, Bo, as the new SEC, picked Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, Wisconsin, Auburn, Kentucky, Washington, Stanford, Virginia, Boise State, Minnesota, Arizona State, Maryland, Virginia Tech, Louisville, and UNLV. Bo, your reaction to your new SEC? I wish I had more of the our regular SEC schools in here, but I, I had to go off the board of Ohio State first. I couldn't homer pick that. And I thought about Alabama at one, but I didn't because I'm one of those to the belief that when Saban's gone, that's less valuable of a property. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sooner than later. So that's why I wasn't willing to take them number one. So okay. um, it's, yeah. Um, I ended up with Bama, SC, Texas, Miami, Florida State, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, Ole Miss, Northwestern, Mizzou, South Carolina, Arizona, West Virginia, Iowa State, 
and TCU. Um, covered all regions. Got some really good football programs. I'm pretty pleased with uh, how things turned out. Of, of my Y'all life. got a four-win teams in there, Jonesy. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the year. that, And, and that's just at the top. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. As you can never Texas take a team and start in your conference and they get beat by Kansas in football over and <laughs> right. over. USC, right. Texas, then it's Miami, been over, Florida, it's been over Florida State. It's been Nebraska. over a thousand days since Texas beat Kansas in football, just in case anybody was wondering. Tyler's conference would have been great in 1984. <laughs> yeah. Tyler still thinks Vince Young's playing. <laughs> you, what are you saying? We didn't get Vince Young in this league? No. Have you been hanging out with the Undertaker a little too much, thinking that Texas is back? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Steve's league. He's got a lot of free time. He's retired. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler's never going to let the three of us back on at the same time. Oh, well, I'll have you guys all back on next week. That's great. This is great. <laughs> Steve's conferences: uh, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Florida, Texas A&M, Tennessee, North Carolina, Arkansas, SMU, Utah, Colorado, Mississippi State, Pittsburgh, Texas Tech, Duke. Illinois and Peru. Steve, uh, you went everywhere with uh, with this draft. I really stayed within the. I, I didn't go west. I really kind of stayed Midwest, maybe a little East Coast, but I, 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 I seem to also pair a regional rival or somebody within the region also in there, and that's what I was going to say. This would be a really fun deal to do if we kind of had to keep it at least within a region of sorts. Yeah. Right. To then see how we, if you were with, like, Tyler and I both being Big 12, Big 10, and Bo and the SEC, like, seeing how that worked out to where, hey, I can't go get ACC teams, but they could come get Big 12. They could pick some of the Big 10 yeah. down. Right. Really would change the dynamic of this, I think. Derek, uh, you went with Georgia, Clemson, Oregon, Penn State, Houston, Iowa, Baylor, UCLA, BYU, K-State, Cincinnati, NC State, UCF, KU, Cal, and Memphis. Yeah, I, uh, I, went, I went all over the board. Um, uh, you know, all races, religion, creeds, uh, <laughs> you know, I celebrate them all. They're all, uh, they're all welcome. Um, I BYU, love your inclusivity. Some, BYU, we may do some stuff on Sunday, so you may just have to get used to that. Kansas um, Wesleyan is ticked that you didn't take them, though. Kansas Wesleyan, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I'm, Coyotes. Uh, I, I, I'm sure they are. I I just realized it too that uh, two of uh, my first four picks actually play each other week one with Georgia versus Oregon. Um, yes. But yeah, you know, we went with uh, national brands across the country. Uh, you know, big markets. We went with uh, party schools. Um, Very important. Know, very yes, uh, destinations that people would want to travel to for a college football game. So I think uh, I think I, I I know I stayed away. I don't I I don't think I went up past North Carolina or no, I went to Pennsylvania it was the farthest northeast I went. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I like how it turned out. So I think it's uh, a good ACC school. I think it's a good ACC. So, so uh, Bo, uh, with, with you having your list in your charts and what you were looking at going in, how would you rate these four conferences? Who, who's the big dogs? I, I think the conferences all have their own flavor. I think we've all got something different going on. Yeah. You know, like, I think that Derek and I both kind of said big, big schools and big uh, TV markets. Yeah. Um, I think Steve, Ever heard of that one, Stan? 
or, yeah. or uh, whatever man Gino said, dollar signs. Dollar, dollar signs. Dollar dollar signs, baby. Dollar <laughs> signs. <laughs> BCS. BCS. I think that uh, Steve's got like four or five teams in the middle that I think are great picks. Um, like the Tennessee, North Carolina, Arkansas, you kind of need teams like that in your conference. You know, they're big schools, but, and while they may not be your national champions more than once every 20 years, I'm not trying to make a joke there. It's what you need. It's what you need to have. Um, Tyler, I don't know what the hell you did. Uh, you just, you, you went and picked Ole Miss, Northwestern, Mizzou. I mean, honestly, I, I would have had Mizzou like at like a hundred if there was a big board here. I would have had Vanderbilt ahead of Mizzou. You picked them in like the 10th round. Uh, I think Jones, that's that's where he wants to travel. That's where his list is. Well, that He's was like, part of the reason I took UNLV at the end. Who doesn't want to go see their college team in Las Vegas? I mean, I, I I would rather go out there to watch the Chiefs whoop the Raiders' ass. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> right. their I'm, own just, I'm just saying. I'm not. A, I'm not disagreeing with that. Okay. Yeah. So here, here's another question uh, for for anyone here with this four team super conference uh, four con- four uh, league sixteen team super conferences. It, would you rather have college football as it is right now or split up? with how we split it up here. I'd rather have it split up the way that we split it up. I'd rather have some regionality to it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I give you an example. The Big Ten adding USC and UCLA, it's interesting, but it's not as interesting as old school rivals. But the money is the real thing, and you have to take both those into account. Um, but I think some regionality is a must. I, I agree with both. I, I think at some point you you're gonna need a breakaway. And I I, I posed I posed this to uh, some of the guys here in Tulsa that were at Big Twelve Media Days and got to to talk to uh, Bill Hancock. I sent a text into to those guys I knew and said, "Hey, ask Bill, does he ever see a time in which the CFP, the organization he's the executive director of, would ever potentially become the governing body?" for these super conferences. And Bill said, oh, no, he took the political route. No, I don't think that's – we'll always be under the NCAA. But I don't see that. I, I I really think there could be a time, and I think there probably should, if this is going to happen, where you have a CFP-type buildup yeah. organi- or overseeing college football at the top tier super conferences, and then they're able to go in and put those regional parties or divisions or conferences or however they want to name it but make it to where they're broken up, to where they make sense, like Bo was saying, and then go from there and let's go compete for national ch- titles and have 16 or 2014 tournaments, championship rounds. I mean, the FBS does it, the D2 does it, D3, NAI, they all have their own freaking tournaments. The fact that NCAA Division One FBS is the only level of football that does not have an NCAA champion is insane to me. But it's been that way forever. I mean, it, it's I, that way because the conferences have so much pull. Yes. And, uh, and they're going to do that. And 
I do think we're going to see, and I've said this with, with, on this so many times, I think we're going to see four super conferences when it's all said and done. And I agree with what Steve's saying. It's going to be the college football playoff that oversees this. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if football is eventually split completely out of the NCAA as yeah. its own entity. Yeah. I think that's ultimately the path we're headed towards when this all said. I mean, there's just too much money. When you're talking about the Big Ten getting a billion dollars for TV rights, I mean, they're getting double what the SEC just got. Yep. I mean, that's a crazy amount of money, and they're getting that. You're you're not talking about the love of the game anymore when the billion is the amount of money you're talking about. Right. And and I as a guy, I mean, I'm a guy that I enjoy watching FCS when North Dakota State and watching those playoff games is a lot of fun for me. I, I enjoy tuning in on ESPN Plus for those broadcasts. I think you'll see the benefit for those teams that don't go into the super conferences because then they will be able to have a national title. So yeah. your Tulsa's, your two lanes, in this case, I, I you could throw out Ill, or uh, Indiana. Some of those all of a sudden now have a national title game that they can potentially truly get into those fan bases are going to get behind them. And now you you're talking about college football growing even more so and being more exciting in a lot more places than it is right now, especially come November, December. And with expansion of a playoff, more teams in the playoff is more excitement at the local level. I mean, there's going to come a time as funny as this is going to sound, there's going to come a time where Kansas or Kansas state is going to be in the the hunt for a playoff spot. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and when yep. that happens, life's exciting in Lawrence and it's exciting in Manhattan. You know, the same thing with Mizzou. It's going to happen at some point. And it's right now, college football, the biggest knock on college football is, well, you've got Alabama winning every year. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's going to come down to, too, how do these collectives and all these other schools that are able to, to do all this other stuff and how much money can they offer? I mean, Texas A&M has the biggest collective in – in all of the country right now, I don't think Saban's wrong about buying players. That's probably not the the right word wording to use. But, you know, when you've got these schools that whether they're public or private institutions that have a lot more money than some of these other schools have. I mean, you know, look at it from, you know, uh, the, the example I, I could say this past year is. Um, you know, the guy who has his own, it's his own protein bar, who's a big BYU booster, that guy is able to pay and have people who are on BYU's team, you know, as walk-ons, as employees, and they can make money. What's to stop schools from doing that and offering guys scholarships and saying, hey, we can go here and we can make this amount of money, you know, instead of just being on scholarship and, and this, that, and the other. It's going to be interesting to see how how that all plays out along with the transfer portal. Last yeah. question. And uh, we'll kind of wrap up on this. Uh, you know, we were getting towards the end and, you know, trying to figure out those last kind of, kind of spots who's in uh, of, you know, in this format of four 16 team super conferences. Um, if you're one of those teams that doesn't make it in, that wants one of those spots, but ultimately gets left behind, Steve, you work in college athletics. Do you think that's going to set some of these programs back a lot? Is there going to be a continued push for those on the outside to 
to try to get in if we ever get to this point at the four 16-team conferences like this? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's always going to be the push to, to expand that group of 64 to a bigger number. I mean, it, those schools that are out are always going to be trying to catch up with the Joneses, no pun intended in that regard. But they're going to be trying to get into that to that field. I think there's some benefit, though, also for them to, to maybe say, you know what, being the big fish in a little pond isn't a terrible deal as well. And if you're in this FBS non-super conference league of the the remaining the, the island of misfit toys or whatever you want to call it, I think there's some value there because, like we talked about, all of a sudden they're playing for a national title or competing for national titles. They have a shot and their fan base and their boosters and their donors are going to go wild. And when they say, hey, we got to go build a stadium to go do this, they're going to start donating more money to it. Now, all of a sudden, you've got just a dynasty potentially building. So I think that's what you already see it right now. Look at how many Division II schools. I mean, the lone, what used to be the Lone Star Conference down in Texas in Division II is basically basically the Southland Conference. What yeah. is the athlete, the American Athletic is basically what Conference USA was 15 years ago. Um, right. You can kind of go down and look at these conferences and say, oh, all of these schools used to be in a conference together. It was just named something else uh, when you get outside the power five. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see how that all unfolds. And uh, guys, that was a lot of fun. Uh, one of our better drafts yet. I think that we've had so far, Derek, Steve, appreciate you guys uh, taking part and joining us. And uh, we will hear from you in the future, Steve. I, I promise it won't be that long again until we have you back on. See you in four years. <laughs> <laughs> Final segment before we wrap up today's show it is time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom Bridges rejoins us now with something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where shall we go to this time? Jones, you know, we talked about this before. We could, There's a lot of places, and it's been a while. You know, it's been three weeks since uh, I've gotten to do a um, – a Tom Fullery, and yeah, so where the hell you been, Tom? Goodness, I've been, I, you know that maybe that's Tom. That maybe that's the Tom Fullery in itself, Jones. That we've we've been gone away for so long, and so I I want to use this one as a, uh, a you know kind of a comeback story. Uh, and and Jones, where else than we're gonna go other than than Florida? You know, you we're going with the Florida man, uh, and specifically going to Tampa. It looks like. Um, this comes from uh, cltampa.com, and article reads, Florida officials ask local perverts to stop interrupting horny manatees. If you see a manatee mating herd, observe respectfully from a distance. Do not touch. It's officially manatee mating season in Florida, and local officials are asking people not to put body parts near or within what's referred to as a mating herd, or more disturbingly, a mating ball. Okay. On Sunday afternoon, a social media post from the Sarasota Police Department stated that some looky-loos were also attempting to touch a group of mating manatees near South Little Beach. We spotted manatees mating near South Little Beach Sunday. Folks were trying to touch them. Please don't, said Sarasota Police Department. You see a manatee mating herd. Observe respectfully from a distance. Do not touch. Um, 
This is an important reminder, especially since manatees are currently listed as vulnerable under the Endangered Species Act, and it is as act, it is actually illegal to touch, annoy, harass, or, unsurprisingly enough, molest a manatee. Not only that, but now more than ever, manatees absolutely need undisturbed mom and this. That's a great line. Uh, absolutely need undisturbed mom and dad time. Um, God, that's incredible. <laughs> Officials estimate there are roughly 6,000 manatees in the Sunshine State, and last year a record about 1,100 died, which is an incredibly grim stat that nearly doubles the death rate from 2020. Just remember, as the water temperatures rise, so does the manatee libido. According to Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, this means manatee season, mating season typically runs from March to November. So this is this summer. Please don't stick anything in a mating ball. Jones, I myself have never seen a manatee in the wild. Um, I've been to Florida a couple of times. Even if I did, and I'm looking at the pictures now, it's lo- wh- this doesn't even look. I'm looking at the pictures right now of, of a, what I assume is a mating ball of manatees having sex, I guess. <laughs> It's very weird. I, you know, it's. I did not think I'd be looking at this, but here we are. Um, yeah, that looks like. I'm, yeah, I'm not putting my hand down there somewhere. Um, who's? I get that. I get that. You know, if you see a manatee, I, I think part of the Florida law. You know, I knew it was illegal to touch manatees. Like you can't mess with them. Like they said, you know, if they if you're in the water and one comes up to you, that's fine. But you, it's it's like strippers, you know. <laughs> manatees are like strippers, uh, you know. If they they can touch you, but you can't touch them, right? Or else you get kicked out of the club. Um, that might be one of my best lines in a while. They're like strip okay. manatees are like strippers. Manatees uh, are like strippers. Haven't heard that one. Right. Um. But to touch them while they would be, I. I I don't think you could see an, an animal mating, like like mating, like banging one out and not know what was going on. <laughs> like, you know, I get it. Like, you know, you, you see dogs and cats and deer or any other wildlife getting it on. Hell, I recently seen a funny meme of there were like two black bears in a in a community, like a neighborhood getting it on someone's driveway. Um, manatees are mammals too. I'm pretty sure. Um, it's not really that hard to understand what might be going on. Why would you put your hand in there? Right. You know, if you see one swimming along, I get the notion to maybe reach down and touch it because they're, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you even know if I would do that. If I was Florida, I don't even know if I'd do that. It kind of reminds me of noodling, but to a much worse extent. I mean, yeah. I mean, granted, you know, you you hear about manatees all the time that they come up to people and that they're kind of friendly, but it's still a wild animal and it's still underwater. It's not your it's not your domain, right? You know, I'd be I'd be much more willing to maybe pet a deer. That was friendly, um, rather than something that's underwater. Um, that's just me, though. Um, and I definitely would not go up to two deers that were mating or 
really any animal for that much. I, For one, if I saw two dogs, I'm not going to be like, oh, look, two dogs I can pet while they're getting it on. who just sees a couple manatees getting it on and thinks you know what i gotta pet that sea cow i mean just think about it this way i'm not trying to call animals people but i mean if if you walked in on two people are you gonna like try to strike a combo (laughs) strike a combo you know start touching them or whatever i mean hell no you just walk in on a couple that you don't know, and you're like, all right, man, let me get a high five. Yeah. Nice job. Keep going. Right. Oh, watcher. Nobody likes a watcher. You walk in on a 69, and you just say, nice. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're legally obligated if you walk in on a 69 to say, nice. That's all you get to say, though. Nice. That's it. Yeah. Just leave and it. Then, then you have to leave. Like. <laughs> Are you saying that's what you would do if you walked in on a 69? Well, it depends on who it was. Would you rather... If I walked in on you and some old girl <laughs> and and that was the, the act occurring, that I might say nice. If I walked in on my parents, I'd probably call the <laughs> police. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, here's one for you. Would you rather walk in with somebody, walk in on somebody, a human, or walk in on a manatee and have to touch the manatee? Ooh, that's a good question. I think you could even make it better. Would you rather would you rather touch two manatees getting it on, or would you rather have your parents walk in on you? <laughs> And I think if that was, if I think if that came down to it, if I had to pick one or the other, I'm, I'm probably getting a wildlife encounter. Yeah, I'll, I'd rather deal with the manatees than have my parents walking up. I mean, yeah. Er, okay, here's, here's I mean, another one. You can't one. undo that. You, you, they can, you can never get the image out of your head of your parents walking in, and they can never get the image out of your head of them. Uh, seeing you doing it, you know, I mean, right. I mean, you could you could double down on it. I'd rather have my parents walk in on me than me walking on my parents. Um, have you That's ever walked, have you ever walked in on anybody's house? Uh, one time in college. Uh, me, it, it was it was one or two different occasions. My freshman year. I had a roommate, and uh, they were – I think they were just starting. Like, I didn't see anything, but they were just starting to get going, and I walked in. This is when you shared a room, huh? What? This is when you shared a room? Yes, yes. They were on the other bed, thankfully. Now I'm on. <laughs> another time, uh, his girlfriend – I came home from a weekend from college early – and I didn't tell him in advance. I, I didn't think I needed to because my place too, whatever. He, he didn't need to know when I was coming back. And I opened the door and his girlfriend was laying on his bed, butt naked, no clothes on, nothing. Uh, she didn't have a blanket or nothing. I'm like, oh. And uh, and then like she threw a blanket on or whatever. She's like, I wasn't expecting you here. Whatever. I thought you weren't going to be back. I'm like, I came home early. 
<laughs> and that was that. So th- those were my two instances I walked out. What was your one instance of walking in on somebody, Tom? You know, it was, it was my buddy Blake, and it was, um, you know, I, I I used to like to play this funny game. I knew there'd be something going down, and before I'd leave the um, you know, the door, because we all had separate bedrooms in one dorm. It was like a three-bedroom, two-bath with the living room. So we all had our own room. And uh, knew something was going down. So I used to just mess with them and, like, jiggle the lock or jiggle <laughs> the hand. Like, ah, oh, you son of a bitches. You know, just ah, ha, ha. Well, they didn't shut the door all the way. <laughs> and so when I went to put on the handle, I just got an eyeful. Um so I thought, you know, and then and then they didn't they they didn't know until I I told my friend, and then they we all had a good laugh about it. That's and good. I know Blake; he's a good dude. Uh, here's one for never, you, Tom. I would, I would never walk in on a couple of manatees, though. <laughs> would you rather your parents walk in on you uh, getting it on with a girl or jerking off? Ooh, yeah, probably getting on with a girl. I, I'd at least get a hand clap out of my dad out of it, maybe. Um, Your dad would be like, "What the hell is this?" You know, if he just walks on you jerking off. Yeah, right. See, that's that's not that. You know what that is? That's a great chat sports question. <laughs> type in. I don't know what you would type in. You say type in S for getting it on for. You know, sex or type in J-O for jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> it goes along with uh, a couple of my other uh, weigh-in ideas. Uh, one of them, uh, what's your favorite religion? Uh, <laughs> what do you, you have to type in? <laughs> C for Christianity, M for Mormonism. <laughs> oh, gosh. B for Buddhist. <laughs> there you go. There's your new weigh-in question right there. Would you? I had had one I wanted to do today that got rejected. It was uh, Fauci was in Seattle. He he was honored at the uh, Mariners game and threw out the first pitch. And I wanted to do uh, grade Dr. Fauci's performance during the pandemic. (laughs) No, Lord. Do you have to clear them? Do you have to clear all your weigh-in options? No, but I, I ran that one by, and that one got. (laughs) <laughs> veto it was oh, it was suggested not to <laughs> golly yeah I, I want there you go there's your when when seattle's getting beat in the preseason game you can weigh in would you rather get caught racking out your significant other or some old person or would you rather get caught beating their flicking the bean or jerking the chicken i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty wild to, to <laughs> the chicken. I don't. I mean, what do you what do you? No, choking the chicken. I've I, I've I've lost my. <laughs> I've lost I have my, something to say about that in the chat. Yeah, I, I've yeah, I've lost my euphemism wit over the years. I don't know. I don't know what the kids are calling it these days, Jones. I don't. I don't know if I care to know. <laughs> choking. Yeah. Cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> right, yeah. Type in, type in choke for, <laughs> golly, <laughs> that would be. There you, there you go. You just do a, a super chat. You get a super chat going for ten dollars. It says choke the chicken. 
at the top of the chat. <laughs> this Tom Flory's uh, oh. gone off the rails today, and uh, it was a nice comeback by you after a few weeks off uh, to come back in this fashion. This was good. Very good on your part, Tom. We got to go. Uh, big thanks to uh, Keegan for joining us. Well, Steve Braun and uh, Derek and Coach Bo. We had a full cast today. Great show. Thanks, everybody, that stopped by. You, the listener, as well, for joining us. You can subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. How can you not leave us a five-star review after that segment, folks? Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, you can follow us on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Thomas underscore Bridges, Twitter at Studio underscore Soapbox, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, it's Thomas, you can find us there. For our entire crew, Thomas Bridges included, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back here next week for another edition of Jones. So long.